This is the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Barstool Talk Daily. Except it's really early in the morning and no booze. For the most part. Thank you. Good morning and welcome everybody to the show. Welcome so one and all and thank you for joining us. We got a lot to talk about on the show. We're going to have a true crime report coming up later. Uh, there's a lot to talk about this uh, this book by uh, former what what was Bolton? He was over, he was in there for over a year and a half. The, was he uh, national security advisor? Yes, NSA. He's a singer-songwriter. <laughs> Uh, this uh, John Bolton uh, has book coming out, and the one thing that really ticks me off is all this all this stuff in there. He wouldn't testify mm-hmm. during the impeachment trial. It's like I'm saving it for my book, I guess. And it's like, oh no, if what you say is true, like that. Trump was asking the Chinese president to help him win re-election and. And if he's not fit to serve office, like he's he also mentions to, in the Yeah, book. right. He mentions he's not fit to serve well, why office. Why would you help he, in the process of right. getting rid of him? Yeah. I, like, I'm looking at Bolton like I'm questioning his his patriotism and all this. It's like, if all this stuff is true, why would you not testify when it actually would have mattered? And also, is it too late to get him to testify now <laughs> that the book is out? But... Um, I don't know. I just I get a real scummy feeling from John Bolton. Just the way that this, you know, he's got all this stuff that was very pertinent to what is affecting every American's lives, and he saved it for the. You know, you got to pay twenty four ninety nine for the book if you want to see what it is. We got a coronavirus update and a brand new quarantine to share with you. So that's on the way. Let's, uh, why don't we get into the part of the intro here where we go around and everybody tells what you're working on in your individual departments. So Brandon Coates is still joining us from home this week. Good morning, Brandon. Morning, Buzzley. What do you have coming up on the sports side of things? The Belmont Stakes uh going to be happening this weekend. And, of course, you know, that's one of the Triple Crown races. There's a heavy favorite going into this weekend. And then the other two have been postponed, the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. They're supposed to happen this year. They've just been postponed. And uh, the Belmont is not – are they going to have – fans in the in the no. stadium no it's going to be nope. an empty stadium yeah it's going to be it's there's going to be no fans they've also shortened the race it's usually a mile and a half they've shortened it to a mile and an eighth all right uh joanna how about entertainment news what do you have leading us off with the entertainment news today hey you know how the bold and the beautiful started filming yesterday you, you said yeah yeah well now they have paused filming to ramp up coronavirus testing <laughs> So that's on hold now. What did it take oh, one man. day? It took a day. <laughs> and they were going to do, I think your story said, for any close-up scenes, they were going to have the actors or actresses, husband their, or wife, or yeah, significant other, partner. I guess, their partner, mm-hmm. step in and play the role for those for scenes. For the body double. So, yes, exactly. But what if your spouse uh-huh. looks nothing like the character <laughs> they're supposed to be standing in for? I don't know. They got to do the magic of t- 
television? Stuff them in the sheets. Say there's one of the actors <laughs> whose partner is, uh, say it's a guy and his, his partner is a guy, or they're married. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are they going to put like a wig on him, dress him up like Bugs Bunny used to do when he tried to fool <laughs> Elmer Fudd? I mean, is is that what would happen on Bold and Beauty? Well, nothing now. I think they realize it's like, guys, this is really stupid. <laughs> we're going to do these scenes and then we're going to cut away and then your actual husband or wife or significant other is going to come in and take over the role. It's like... Yeah, are people missing Bold and Beautiful that much? <laughs> we yes. gotta rush this back up. Very much. Filming resumes on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, Nico News. Nico's nerdy uh, n- news. That's right. Which is sometimes uh, a little off the wall. What do we got coming up today, Nico? Well, I've got a re-update on the idea of your blood type affecting how coronavirus will uh, uh, affect you. And it sounds uh, real pseudoscience I'll be honest with you. Well, a it new, seems quite pseudoscience A new study from the New England Journal of Medicine uh, just confirms a lot of the other uh, studies that came out. But this one is uh, very definitive and uh, got some new updates about your blood type and coronavirus. Okay. All right, I can't wait. Uh, we'll get to that. We've started uh, just beginning to let people uh, come back into the studio. So the plan is that Steve Trevino is going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. Comedian Steve Trevino. Sexy Mexi. Yeah, he says he doesn't really go for that anymore. Really? That that was really only like a nickname Bart gave him. <laughs> <laughs> and like the, the other places he goes, nobody call, nobody calls him Sexy Mexi. <laughs> but I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, is he really sexy? Let's find out from the man who actually has pubic hairs on his face one time, Brandon Coates. Brandon, Steve Trevino, is, is he or is he not sexy mexi? Um, I don't believe he really goes by sexy mexi anymore, yeah. but he's sexy in my book. <laughs> he would be. Right? Is he mexi in your book? <laughs> or yeah. just sexy? All right. Do you think that I don't really think go? that's up to me. I don't think his heritage is up to me. I don't think he's <laughs> Um... Let's see. Uh, looks like we've got uh, cases of coronavirus spiking in 24 states. So that's you know very close to half of the states. But how much of it is because there are more tests, and how much of it is because more people are actually getting? I, I, I guess there's no way to really know. There is like how, how many people are getting coronavirus. Yeah, because how you can, can really know. You can look at the rate of infection, which means how many people are getting infected per and then day. Just apply it to the larger society. No, and then just apply it to how many people are getting tested per day. Uh-huh. So you take how many people are getting infected per day and apply it. And if it's higher than the number of tests, then you know that it's people are getting uh, infected through community. Yeah, could they also let's just use a round number here and say a thousand? Say they tested a thousand people, and if two thousand people ended up. Well, 2,000 people, that would be more if than they they tested 1,000 people, how are 2,000 people <laughs> well, going to test but, positive? Well, you, you can't test everybody that's getting infected in one no, day. No, no, no. But I'm saying you randomly test 1,000 people, and if, if 100 of them have it, you would say, well, you know, 10% of the population has coronavirus. Right? Couldn't you extrapolate from that information? Mm, I don't think you can just take the general amount of... Okay. You know, cases and say, oh, well, this must mean. It, it seems like it's one of those things that, depending on which spin you want to put on it, like if you're a news source, you you could say, hey, they've got more cases, so coronavirus, you, you know, is getting worse, and we need to. Well, but no, if you want to take the other side, you could say, well, they're just putting out more tests. That's what the president says is that they're just, and the governor of Florida says too, sure. they're just testing more, so that's why we're we're seeing spikes. I'm and sorry. then I hear. 
Yeah. I meant a different metric. I didn't mean the daily rate of infections. I meant the daily rate of hospitalization. So you take that versus the daily rate of testing. Not not everybody who gets coronavirus is going to go to the hospital. No, but you can see that if more people are getting hospitalized in comparison to how many tests there are. Maybe more people are getting tested. No, but going to the hospital as a result. Mm, it's I, like, oh, I thought I only had a really bad cold, but then you tested me and said I got COVID nineteen. Now I'm. I think if they're going to, go to the hospital, hospital, it doesn't matter what they're you know going okay. for. It must be serious. Right. Uh, Texas is one of them, by the way, one of the states where they uh, said that there's been a spike. I think, in fact, we kind of stood out from the other uh, states, just in the the number of of cases. So uh, we can talk about that coming up a little bit later this morning. As I mentioned, we have a true crime report on the way. We've got our Facebook stream going on, so if you want to join us over on Facebook, uh, you can do that. It's Buzz Adams Show on Facebook, and you can uh, see what we're doing in the studio. You can see uh, what other people are typing in, join the chat, or just monitor the chat. It gets very lively. Uh, And it's just kind of like a running meta commentary on what's happening on the show, usually. If you want to call the morning show, our toll-free studio line is available for you. That number is 844-305-6210, 844-305-6210. If you want to leave a message for the morning show, we have a separate line for that. It's the uh, toll-free neck line. That's also 844-805-NECK, 844-805-6325. And you can leave a message for us. Anytime you'd like to do that, and we'd like to hear from you. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Nico, uh, what can you tell me about John Bolton's new book? Well, it has words, for one. Uh, Also, I think it basically describes his time in the uh, White House as the National Security Advisor, right? Yeah, 17 months that he was in that position. Which is the highest position of... uh, uh, foreign policy decision making and uh, you know internal security and all yeah, that kind of thing. Right, it's under a very, the, right under the president. Very important position. And uh, then he was dismissed unceremoniously, I believe, and uh, chose not to testify in the Mueller or the uh, impeachment hearings. Was that all his choice? No, he well, yes, in a, in a sense, but he was waiting. He didn't try. Like there, there was some talk that Trump was like, "I'll block him because it's national security, and I, I won't allow him to testify." And I mean, Trump has tried to say that anyone communicating to him, the president, in any way, is a national security. You know, it's like you can't ask anybody who ever talked to me about anything. anything yeah. So he's tried that, and I, I think they've, you know, pretty much laughed that off, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he's that's that's actually going to be decided in court, I think, um, eventually. So, what are some of the things that former National Security Advisor John Bolton has to say? Um, well, he's he said that Trump did way more than just ask Ukraine to help him win the election. He said that basically everything he saw in the White House was was decision making at the highest level, geared entirely around winning re-election, which means that when they went to China, a big part of uh, the discussions were asking uh, President Xi, President Xi Jinping, uh, if if he could buy more farm subsidies right. or, or farm products, just so the farmers would be happy. Okay, you know what? Let me play the other side here. Sam, I'm, uh, I'm a Trump fan. Yeah. Well, it's good. He was trying to get this foreign uh, leader to buy more American products. Why are you Why are you libtards mad about that? 
Well, I think that... Isn't that what the president ought to be doing, is trying to sell a lot of our products to the Chinese? I think that he messaged it as saying, if you can help me, <laughs> This will really help me help get elected. You. Yeah. Well, it will not just help me get elected, but hey, if you help me with this, I can definitely help, you know, you. So... All right, well, go ahead. Get, line them up. I'll, I'll try and shoot them down, you know. Uh, oh, I thought you were really I, reading or learning about the, you know... This is all off the top of my head, No. Oh, I, I figured you knew all about it because you were listening to Julie Mason yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? All right. I, I don't know. It always seems like you're kind of in the loop on this sort of stuff, like, you know, POTUS politics. and That was that was the most I, I could get off the top of my head. Um, um, oh, you asked me a question if he had... if he, <laughs> You asked me a question if Bolton uh, uh, chose not to testify in the House impeachment hearings. Yeah. And was it totally his decision not to? He said that he wanted to be forced to. Basically, he wanted a subpoena to come his way. He wanted them to, to make him do it. All right, yeah. That way he had <laughs> political coverage against, you know, any, any other people. Retribution. Retribution from the Trump administration, exactly. Uh, John Bolton says that he heard, heard with his own ears that the president of China told was talking to Trump about concentration camps for Muslim Uyghurs, oh, uh, right. the minority Muslim uh, ethnic group in, in China, China, and that he had made concentration camps for him, and that Trump had told President Xi, that's what you got to do. That's a good Oh, idea. my God. Right. So, a lot of uh, concern... Right, concerning things in John mm-hmm. Bolton's book, but I think the other side has a point. It's like you know, if this important information was so important and true, why why wouldn't you go and say it in front of a, a an impeachment panel? Mm-hmm. You know, when you had the chance to. Of course, most Trump supporters would not have been saying that at the time. I mean, <laughs> let, let's let's acknowledge our bias here a little bit. So the people who are saying that now, in defense of Trump. Would not have been saying that at the time. No. But, you know... Uh, How about, what would you say to people who say, hey, this was a guy who was hired and fired by Trump. He's a disgruntled employee. Sure. I would not have a lot of nice things to say about John Bolton. I mean, I'll check my own bias here for a second. Normally, I see John Bias and I, I think, I don't trust that guy very much. <laughs> I don't trust that guy. Uh, to be completely honest, so what John think- Bias, John, John uh, Bolton, Bolton. John Bolton. <laughs> the bias of John Bolton. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, I think he's not going to get a lot of love, and I don't know how much this is going to affect anything because, like you said, d- people who are are Democratic leaning are already going to dismiss it by saying, "Why didn't you say anything earlier?" Republicans will just say, "Well, I think some." The thing is, I think a lot of lot of, and I want to draw the distinction between Republicans and Trump supporters. There are still some Republicans who aren't necessarily yeah, Trump absolutely. supporters, but uh, Trump Republicans, I think, might use the same thing. They'll say, "Well, he could have testified, and he didn't do that, so that kind of proves where." you know, the seriousness that we should take him. Well, a lot of people are saying uh, that this is different than other officials who have left the administration and written books because John Bolton was the national security advisor, one of the highest positions in the government, and he was in the room. Like, he knew more of what was going on, yes. presumably, than Omarosa. Yes, and he yeah. was in the room when all important conversations were happening. When- That's the name of the book, is The Room Where It Happened. So I don't know how many people in the Republican Party have noticed that John Bolton used a song from Hamilton <laughs> as the as the title of his book i don't know how many people know hamilton songs as well as you do but uh 
Oh, come on. Everybody's familiar enough to know that there's a big... It's like one of the big numbers, right? Well, I haven't seen Hamilton. There's a thing called Hamilton. I couldn't tell you any of the songs. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know the, the room where it happened is kind of like the big no. showstopper? I honestly <laughs> thought when you said that he, when, when he named his book after, it was, you are going to say that it had something to do with Omarosa. No, 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 no. Here, let me do just a brief like, interpretative just, version of the room Omarosa. where it happened. Okay, so Aaron Burr, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> just kidding. That's the scene. Yeah, that's it. Uh, John Bolton told ABC News, so he did an interview, and he said in the interview that he thinks one of the reasons a lot of dictators and people like Vladimir Putin love Trump is that he's easily manipulated. He says that uh, Vladimir Putin feels like he can play Trump like a fiddle. Uh, Here's a quote. I think Putin thinks he can play him like a fiddle. I think Putin is smart, tough. He plays a bad hand extremely well. And I think he sees that he's not faced with a serious adversary here. So I, I think that's a big part. People say, well, what has Trump done other than just be rude and talk, you know, offensively? First of all, don't blow that off like it's nothing. I mean, this guy speaks in a way that is really demeaning the presidency every day. So that that's not nothing. But what kind of real harm is being done? The worst of America's adversaries know how to play him. Mm-hmm. They know how to compliment him. They know how to make him insecure. I mean, the best at this, and Putin's probably one of the best, probably can play him like a fiddle. Well, and that should concern everybody. I think the best example is uh, Kim Jong-un and how no American president had met with a North Korean leader since the uh, you know creation of North Korea. And Donald Trump has met with him three times. Well, it's interesting you bring up Kim Jong-un because there's one thing that that's the... There are parts of the book where he gives Trump some praise, and one of them says that he was never more proud of a president, and he's served under under Bush and now Trump. He says he's never been more proud than when Trump got up and walked away from that meeting with Kim Jong-un. So, I mean, that's one of the things in there where Bolton says, you know, that, that showed some real spine and backbone. Did you also hear how Donald Trump uh, was very concerned with making sure that he gave Kim Jong-un a present? which was a CD of Elton John's Rocket Man. Did you, did you hear this? <laughs> so he made uh, Mike Pompeo... Did he burn it like on a CD burner? It was signed. He signed it, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Here's and, Elton John's Rocket Man. Do you remember when I called you Little Rocket Man yeah. and you called me a dotard? <laughs> so he, he wanted him to get that CD and told, like, made that a big priority for all of their summits. That's going to be so funny is that... He never got it to him, by the way. I don't think. Uh, uh, he never got the CD of, of Rocket Man. No, I think uh, uh, Kim Jong-un didn't want to meet with uh, Mike Pompeo when he came over. But Oh, he sent it with Pompeo. He, yeah. he would have accepted it if Trump brought it to him and delivered it by hand. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Lord. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Disney is reportedly planning a massive universe of interconnected Star Wars shows. Yep. So I like the sound of that. And earlier this week, Disney released a map of the Star Wars galaxy, which oh, nice. was unlike anything I'd seen in any of the, you know, the previous Star Wars universe art. But uh, they included a lot of places that it's like I knew what Coruscant was and Tatooine, Genosis, but then there were all these other ones. So, how extensive do you think this could be? Well, let's let's talk about what we already know. There's going to be an Obi-Wan mm-hmm. series with Ewan McGregor. Uh, there's going to be the Mandalorian coming back. 
Uh, I've heard that they're going to want they're going to try to make it so that every quarter there's a new live Star Wars something TV show coming out, and they're and they're on they're also all supposed to be kind of intertwined together. Do you think they're going to try and create a unified universe like the Marvel movies? Yes, I believe that's what they're trying to do with the TV shows. Well, I think Star Wars has always tried to do a unified universe. I do, mean, do the cartoons apply? Some do, yeah. some don't. Okay. The ones that came after a certain point, but like a lot of the comic books, and this was by by fiat. Like they just announced, Disney said, "Okay, some of the stuff is canon, some of the stuff is not canon." So sorry if you wasted your your life reading a bunch of stupid Star Wars novels because most of that is not considered canon anymore. So they'll probably like never... Like when Chewie dies? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. He dies saving Han Solo's kid. You know, there was a whole series of books about the, the Thrawn. And that was like yeah. a whole series of books in the, set in the Star Wars universe. And it, it They're talking like that. about that actually being canon. Well, or, or, or adapting that story somehow. Because they recently adapted the novels to uh, comic books within the past year. You're talking about Admiral Thrawn, the blue guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with it other than I know that this was a major driving force behind a lot of the novels that were supposed to be Star Wars. But I think that's Yeah, they, they were supposed to be like the ex- external threat that the Empire once was, but later on. Like, they're kind of like a, yeah, Empire. I think they're in a situation where they can go back and, and be like, all right, we'll, we'll pick and choose. We'll, you, we might bring this storyline in, or we might leave it alone, or we might come up with something completely different. You know, I like the storyline where um, Han Solo had twins instead of just one. <laughs> but I, I don't think they can fix that. Yeah, no, I think all that's out the window. Yeah. Like if well, it they kind of combined Ray some of the and kids that he had into Kylo Ren. Yeah. Like what the, what the, the, the novels did um, is that, that Han Solo and Princess Leia had multiple kids and then they just kind of combined those. Because even in those novels, one of the kids turns to the dark side. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, so far, what I've seen from, uh, from Disney Plus has been great. It's been mostly the uh, the Mandalorian, which is one of the best Star, thing, Star, Star Wars things ever, I think. Star Things. It's one of Star my favorite Star Things ever. <laughs> uh, let's find out what is going on with the Rona. Here are some major coronavirus developments that are making the headlines right now. The coronavirus model that was used by the White House is now projecting that coronavirus will claim 200,000 American lives by April 1st. Now, you can say you don't agree with that or you don't believe it, which is fine, but this is the April data that the White House October, October, okay. yeah, coronavirus, according to the current model being used by the White House, says that coronavirus will claim another one hundred thousand wow. lives. Basically. That's so many people. Considering that it really just came came out in February. March. I was talking. So my mom's older, you know, and I was talking to her. Uh, you know, about her concerns and, you know, also, you know, do you think it was worth it to to basically shut down a lot, a big segment of the economy? And she's like, well, you know, I don't even know what we're comparing here. And I said, all right, let's say, just as a hypothetical, if we'd done nothing, like nobody was asked to stay home from work, we didn't tell people to cover up their mouths, if the trade-off was 2 million dead, 
two million Americans dead. Would that have been worth it? And she said, no, probably. No, it's probably worth it to do lockdown. the stuff to save two million lives. So now we're looking at 200,000. Uh, they say the jump is the result of, and this is a quote from the report, rising mobility and premature relaxation of social distances. So you've got this weird thing where the White House scientist coronavirus model is telling us we're not taking social distancing serious enough two days ahead of the president having a major rally where I've got to feel like hardly anybody's going to be practicing any of that stuff because the messaging that they pay attention to is from the president himself and it's at odds with with what his well, own they scientists will, they will be saying. providing masks I hear who knows if they'll wear them yeah dude what else can you i mean anywhere you can put maga i mean why would they not hand stuff out like that (laughs) have you seen the ones that like from the nose down it's a mask it looks like trump's face so you put trump's face on your face (laughs) (laughs) there's a company tell me if you would be into this like you for 25 dollars, they'll make you a mask of your face so from any kind of distance, it looks like your own face without a mask on. Yeah, I've seen those. I would get one of those. For $25, yeah. you get a mask of your own face. Yeah, because it doesn't look as weird. <laughs> Actually, no, up close, it looks really weird. It's that it's that uncanny valley, man, that it really gets into. I'd rather look weird from a distance. I mean, up close than at a distance. Well, good news. You look weird from both. <laughs> <laughs> Six states reported record case increases this week. Florida, Texas, Arizona, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Nevada. Texas even had an 11, 11% increase in hospitalizations in a single day. So what's meaningful about that metric? How many hospitalizations? This means somebody was diagnosed not only, oh, you got the coronavirus, but you're sick it, enough, you need to get to the hospital. Yeah, so it okay. speaks to severity. Yeah. Uh, now that the FDA said that hydroxychloroquine should not be used to uh, try to create, uh, try to treat or prevent coronavirus, the United States is now stuck with 63 million extra doses of hydroxychloroquine. God. The government started stockpiling them when the messaging from the White House and specifically from the president was that this was the drug every, we ought to be all in on. Can they can they still use them? I mean, like there's I've had, a lot of malaria had, somewhere. I think they can, right? Because because they're saying that's what it's you know proven to be good for. Mostly malaria. I think for some uh, dysrhythmias, heart dysrhythmias. But I guess what I'm asking is, are they going to have to throw all that away, or can they just save it and just be like, okay, well that's part of our stockpile, and we'll we'll dole it out as needed. I think the stockpile is is pretty much safe exclusively for emergency events and not released until there is that. So I don't think that's going to get used anytime soon. Okay, well, soon. we're not going to have an emergency malaria. I mean, it is 2020. I suppose anything could happen at this point. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't. I mean, that sounds like it would be real real bad if, if they just ended th- throwing these out because they expire. I wonder if they can sell it back to the company. I, I don't know if there's a way to sell it back to the companies or something, but... Uh, remember all the talk about the meat shortages and how important it was to keep the meat packing plants? And then we went through the whole thing as like, oh, because of a bunch of different factors, that's how the coronavirus was really getting spread around in some of these meat processing uh, plants. You remember that? Mm-hmm. But it's like, but we, we got to keep the meat industry going. It turns out the companies were making record numbers of meat exports to China. So in the middle of this, we got to keep these meat processors you know, so so we have plenty of meat for Americans. 
it turns out those companies that stayed open were making record numbers of meat exports to China. And uh, once again, just to uh, recap, we're seeing some uh, record increases in specifically Texas makes that short list of states where we're seeing record numbers of new cases. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show podcast. Let's take a look at our Mo Show calendar and daily almanac of events. Uh, got a lot going on today, including Autistic Pride Day, which is today. Uh, today is Bartender Day. Woo! Normally for Bartender Day, they have a big competition and they crown a Bartender of the Year, but all that has been postponed because of uh, COVID-19. Oh, poor bartenders. <laughs> Today's also International Sushi Day. I think we'll probably circle back and talk about that a little more. Birthdays uh, today include actor Richard Madden, who played Rob Stark on Game of Thrones. He's 34 today. Got a birthday for country star Blake Shelton, who is uh, 44. I can't believe Blake Shelton is younger than I am. <laughs> That's just so Did you weird. think he was older? I did. Uh, he, he might have a little bit more gray hair. Older, he comes across as an older man than He looks than healthier, I think. Than me? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Guns N' Roses keyboardist Dizzy Reed is 57 today. And actress Carol Kane is 68, so... Oh, the best. Yeah, she was like his wife on Taxi. She was Miracle Max's wife, Valerie, in um, The Prince's Bride. Oh, yeah. Was she the oh, ghost yeah. of Christmas Present and Scrooged, or was it Christmas yeah. Pat? It was Christmas she Present, She was one of the ghosts, right? Oh, I forgot about that one, too. And she was just in She's Unbreakable. The toaster. The Unbreakable Kim Schmidt. That's not the one I was talking about. She was know. just in Hunters on Amazon Prime. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the one with Al Pacino. Yeah, I've decided that was a terrible series, but she was really good. <laughs> it was good to see Carol Kane in something. Did you Did you watch the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was... I, I was like on the borderline. It's like, is this... Is this offensive? And the more I thought about it, it's like, yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> it is offensive. And Paul McCartney, leader singer of one of the most influential bands of all time, Wings, <laughs> is 78 today. Paul McCartney uh, apparently had a band before Wings called the Beatles, Nico. <laughs> Uh, I had no idea Paul McCartney was in Wings. I, I don't know if that... Now, I don't know if you're joking. <laughs> nope. Paul McCartney, 78 years old today. So, as we heard earlier, today's National Go Fishing Day. And I think it's just coincidental that today is also International Sushi Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, you can go fishing and then just eat You know, I didn't eat sushi wrong. until I was almost 30 years old. It was the first time I tried sushi. Did you have to leave Oklahoma? So I, find I, it? I'd been out. I'd been living in Texas for a long time, but I I tried it. and I really liked it. But then my first thought was, well, it's just raw fish. Why don't we? Why don't I just try it the next time I catch a bass or a catfish? Mm-hmm. Stop. 
not the same? No, 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 it's not. Like, there's something... I didn't know anything about, like, if something's sushi-grade or not, but apparently what you catch on a trot line in your backyard is <laughs> not, not sushi-quality. Sushi <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to do what that cop did with the with the Lion King guy who got pulled over. A scale of one to ten, one meaning you would you Lion would King. you would rather eat Tiger King, but Tiger King. <laughs> ten being sushi is your favorite. You know food. when he pulled Simba over, you know, and he had uh, Timon and Pumbaa in the back. Rafiki with his stick. Open containers. Uh, you know Excuse what? me, sir. How many drinks have you had today? Hakuna Matata. I've you had guys, half a coconut. You guys, now I'm going to have to play this thing back. It's the Lion King. I mean, it's the Tiger King, not the Lion King. <laughs> the guy that Joe Exotic tried to hire to kill Carol Baskin got pulled over. Third grade. <laughs> All right. Third grade education, dude. You should know your ABCs. But he's like, I don't know where you want me to go with that. Well, he was pretty clear. A scale of one to ten does not include good uh, all right, so a scale of 1 to 10, 10 meaning it's your favorite food, food, and 1 being you'd rather eat excrement. I'm good. Uh, where are you? <laughs> no, I know you're all <laughs> No, I want to get it. How are you with sushi? Um, I'm like a 7. A 7? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't count if you only get like a California, California roll. I'm talking about like with raw fish. Yes, right? I get the raw salmon. Okay. All right. Brandon, where where are you? I don't know if I would go as high as a 10 because you said that that would be like, that's your favorite food. That's your food, favorite which food. I, there's other things that would be above it, but I'm I'm close to a nine. I love yeah. sushi. Man. Wait, but are there any things of the sushi variety that you wouldn't eat because it's too weird? I would try anything. Even uh, sea urchin. Yeah. I'm a, I think I have. I think that's called umago. I did not even know that. Joanna, where are you on seafood? Uh, not seafood, sushi. One to ten. I would say a seven. Yeah. I'm going to put myself at a nine. Maybe what? even a ten. Like, I won't eat mackerel. It would be them. your favorite. Is that why you were so upset that one time Nico ate your sushi out of the fridge? <laughs> it probably. When was this? Was this last week? <laughs> no, no, this was a, this was a couple of years ago. I oh, think. I ate it last week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that happened. Last, it, it happened again. <laughs> Yeah, just because I, I I don't I wouldn't say sushi is my favorite food. I'm in the same boat. I would say, uh, but a solid nine. I mean, I really I really like some sushi. <laughs> you like it so much, you will be willing to get it at a gas station. I don't get it at a gas station. I get it at the grocery store. <laughs> Do I get it? I get it at Albertsons. It's not that bad. That's no, no good, it's good at Albertsons. That's some good. Yeah, sushi. yeah, they do a good job. That's quality. That's not like catfish and bass. <laughs> That's sushi-grade quality sushi they serve at the Albertsons. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. I think maybe in 10 to 20 years, all of the kind of like racist stereotype mascots will probably be gone, including the Washington Redskins. Don't you think? Yeah. Like if, if we were 20 years in the future and look back and you still got... Uh, that Cleveland Indian mascot, mm-hmm. I'd be disappointed in 2040. I'd be like, come on, 2040, I thought you would have had your act together. Well, what about Notre Dame's Fighting Irishman? It's, it's white, it's different. It's okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> would you still be disappointed if that's not gone? <sighs> 
Yeah, probably. I mean, because that'll probably be the next step is like, all right, we've got rid of the offensive stereotypes about minorities. minorities. Let's get rid of all the offensive stereotypes, you know. Um, so Anne Jemima is being scrapped because it's racist. There are a few other things uh, going on, though, elsewhere. Queen Latifah is against Gone with the Wind being shown on TV. Um, Queen Latifah just played Hattie McDaniel, who won, who was the first African-American to win an Academy Award for Gone with the Wind. She was... She wasn't... Uh, okay. She was like this mammy character. Mm-hmm. I forget what the name is. Uh, but Hattie McDaniel... Uh, won the Academy Award. Queen Latifah just played her in that Netflix show, Hollywood. So she has an opinion about this controversy over the movie. Uh, She says, quote, let gone with the wind be gone with the wind. Um, And I think they're talking about taking it off of HBO Max. It is off of it. But they're going to re-air it the After first. they put some, what they said, they're going to add some historical context. By the way, Gone with the Wind, when it came out, had some uh, African-Americans who were not happy with how it portrayed African-Americans. But it also had some serious Southern white racists who didn't like the way that it portrayed white racist either so it, you know there were people not happy. There were some people at the time in 1939 who thought that... Uh, Gone with the Wind was too pro-black. So it's just, you know, attitudes definitely change over time. That was something that somebody thought, watching Gone with the Wind, it's just too pro-black. But what does completely erasing it and not showing it ever again accomplish? What does that do? Um, Well, do you want to hear what what Queen Latifah says? Yeah. Um. and she's talking about Hattie McDaniel, who won the Academy Award for playing for playing Mammy. Latifah says, quote, they didn't even let her in the theater until right before she got that award. Someone came outside and brought her into the auditorium. And that's true. She won the award, mm-hmm. but the theater was segregated. So she had to wait outside the theater until they called her, until they were about ready to call her name. Then she went up and got her award, and then she had to leave again. How does that make any sense? You're good enough to get an award, but you're not good enough to sit with us. You know, I guess it was 1939. There were plenty like of Racism places. was so illogical at that time. Yeah, I don't think making sense was high enough. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things you look back at. It's like, why do we need separate water? Honestly, yeah. what could possibly be the reason for separate water fountains? But the thing is, this wasn't in Alabama or Mississippi. This was in Hollywood where wow. the Academy mm-hmm. Awards took place. I mean, you're thinking, oh, it was 1939. I bet things were really really different in the South back in those days. No, this was Hollywood. This was probably one of the most elite areas and and liberal areas of the country at the time. Um, Queen Latifah went on to say about Hattie McDaniel, she wasn't even allowed to sit in there. And then she had to read a speech that was written by the studio. She wasn't even allowed to say what she wanted to say. Uh, and then after winning the Academy Award, it's not like her career... You know, she continued playing those kind of roles. She was continu- she was typecast as that Mammy character. So, Hattie, there, there's, you know, the aftermath of Hattie McDaniel winning the Academy Award. A few years ago, George Clooney was really patting himself on the back. And Hollywood saying, you know, years before the civil rights legislation, 
you know, Hollywood gave Hattie McDaniel, a black woman, the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. It's like, mm. yeah, they didn't she really had to wait outside. Anything. You weren't allowed to say but. anything. And the, the, the only other roles she she would, could get were stereotypical caricatures. You know, I guess Clooney left that part out. But also, there is a petition in Tennessee, and I, I'm pretty sure this is fairly tongue-in-cheek, but somebody's got a petition going in Tennessee that they replace all of the Civil War statues with statues of Dolly Parton, since everybody loves Dolly Parton. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's a good plan. You got a statue of uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest. It's coming down, but we'll replace it with a statue of Dolly Parton. I agree that, you know, Dolly Parton is a, is a better role model than... <laughs> Nathan Bedford Forrest, but the, also, on the other hand, if they ever decided they had to go, the Dolly Parton statues would be a lot easier to tip over. <laughs> 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 They'd be top-heavy. All right, and Jemima is being... Knowing uh, the South, they would want a bunch of statues to Jolene. <laughs> Who's Jolene? 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 Jolene. 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 I thought it was a guy named Jolene. Quaker Foods is dropping the Aunt Jemima brand name and image. And I saw a lot of comments yesterday on Facebook like, oh, th this is political correctness gone too far. It's like it's just a commercial mascot. I hadn't thought about Aunt Jemima <laughs> in years. And honestly, the first thing that occurred to me is like, how is Aunt Jemima still a thing that they put on product boxes in 2020? Yeah, you were really surprised that it was still a product, like or like still being shown. Yeah. Did you have one of those moments when you're going through the calendar and somebody's birthday pops up and you're like, I could have sworn that person died five years ago, but they're still around. And when it comes to Aunt Jemima, you're like, I could have sworn they would have gotten rid of this thing like 20 years ago. Well, I think they kind of softened her image. They made her look less slave-like, which is is an accurate description of what she originally was. She looked like a na a mammy, like from a minstrel show, was the original. And then I think they made her, like, they got rid of that slave do-rag that oh, yeah. she wore. So I think they kind of updated her image. But the only thing I'm really shocked about is that in 2020, they, there's still people selling products, and they put, you know, an image with that kind of history on it. They got a whole history section on the Aunt Jemima website. You mean the product website or the company website? Yeah, the, pro uh, the product website, AuntJemima.com. They have a whole thing that goes through there. 120 years. All right. It says that Aunt Jemima, uh, the original character, was a black woman who was originally dressed as a minstrel character. Her image has changed over time, and they previously removed her mammy kerchief, which nodded back to the days of slavery. The company said, quote, as we work to make progress toward racial equality through several initiatives, we also must take a hard look at our portfolio of brands and ensure they reflect our values and meet our consumers' expectations. I wonder what the big eye-opening moment was when it was like, hey, guys, you know, we're the pancake business, and maybe we shouldn't have this racist slave image on our box. <laughs> what was the evolution of that thought process, I wonder? Uh, Aunt Jemima, Google, they say, will be gone by the end of the year. So they're not going to pull product that's on the shelves now. But by the end of the year, they're saying Aunt Jemima 
will be They're gone. They're just going to stop doing it. If you Google Aunt Jemima, you know how it always say people also search for, and then mm-hmm. like they put that mm-hmm. over on the side. They also search for Mrs. Butterworth, mm-hmm. Kunta Kinte, oh. Uncle Remus, and uh, a lot of other really racist things. Who's Uncle Remus? From Song of the South. Oh. The Disney movie? Yeah. It was but, like- I mean, we think of the Disney movie, but it was based on these stories about the Br'er Rabbit. Kind of like folk tales. Did it get an Academy Award? Or did it... It got protested when it came out. Like, it came out in the 30s, and... I mean, not in the South it didn't get protested, but in some of the more liberal cities back then, it got protested. Well, uh, one scientist that I really look up to is Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he had a comment about this. He says, this is what Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist, says. It's not that Aunt Jemima was a symbol of a racist past. She was the very embodiment of a racist past. She will not be missed by anyone who knew that. And then they're talking about some other uh, stereotypes that are used in advertising. There's Uncle Ben's rice, Mrs. Butterworth's syrups, and cream of wheat. What? I don't know what the cream of wheat is. I'm familiar with the other two. Although, I thought Mrs. Butterworth was was a white lady. (laughs) Like, I I didn't know (laughs) if she was explicitly one race or another. What, you... (laughs) Well, because they call her Mrs. I feel like you wouldn't call a slave Mrs. You'd call her Mammy or Butterfly. Or Aunt. Yeah. <laughs> or Aunt. But not Mrs. Also, they don't have a picture on the bottle of Mrs. Buttersworth, I don't think. No, the bottle's in the shape of, of Mrs. Buttersworth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but I didn't think there was any determination. I, well, it's if, the bottle, to me. if the bottle is empty, you wouldn't know. But maybe with it full. What? That syrup <laughs> is more like an African-American person color? That it would make her look African-American? Yeah. Okay, well... Don't but if it was it. filled with mayonnaise, I would be right in assuming that she's an albino. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh, the company that makes cream of wheat porridge also says that they're initiating an immediate review of their brand packaging. Their mascot had been uh, a black character named Rastus, which has been considered uh-huh. an offensive uh, I didn't even know it had stereotype. a mascot. Yeah. Me neither. I wouldn't eat cream of wheat. That sounds nasty. I love cream of Way wheat. Way better. That's better than oatmeal. Yeah. Good. Uh, Mars Incorporated owns the um, owns the Uncle Ben's rice, and they say, "quote Now is the right time to evolve the Uncle Ben's brand." Um. So I don't know. I saw a lot of people getting upset that these oh brands were going away, but I no- one thing I noticed what? was that all the people who were upset were were white. <laughs> I mean, I so didn't th- see too many black people. How dare they take away Mrs. Butterworth from us? What do you see? There's an old advertisement of uh, Rastus for cream of wheat, and this ran. They don't know exactly when it was, but they're claiming it was 1901 to 1925, oh, somewhere in there. L- let me tell you, you go back in those days, and it is shocking. Uh, the amount of racism in ads. I mean, it was just out and out. Well, it's got Rastus holding a sign, and it says, maybe cream of wheat ain't got no vitamins. I don't know what them things is. If they's bugs, they ain't none in cream of wheat, but she show good to eat and cheap. Costs about one cent for a great dish, Rastus. That was the sales pitch. This was an advertisement? Oh, my God. That's an advertisement, yeah. Yeah, well, people would have recognized that from from minstrel shows. You're saying minstrel, right? Not menstrual. Minstrel. M-I-N-S-T-R-S. I know, but it it definitely sounded hard to hear. (laughs) 
if there are minstrel shows, I spelled the other way. I've it's never the heard about monologues. What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> oh, there it's you a, go. It's a minstrel it's show. It's a minstrel show. Very good. Uh, how about like Chip? Uh, are we still cool with Chester Cheeto? Cheeto Chester? Chester Cheeto? Chester Cheeto. What is he's like? A he's like a, che- a cheetah. He's yeah. a cheetah. Yeah, I know. What you? I didn't know if he was supposed to. He's got glasses. I thought what maybe he was supposed lucky, to be like a jazz, well, jazz guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, smoking cigarettes. Yeah, lucky Charm. You could have to talk about the Lucky Charms leprechaun. Yeah. The Irish route again. Mm-hmm. Hearts, stars, and horseshoes. Doritos doesn't have a mascot, do they? Just the chip. I think the chip is its Dorito. I mean, right, it's, they don't have like an animal. The chip or is a, its Dorito. <laughs> mascot. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Buzz Adams Morning Show podcast. Brandon Coates is working from home this week. He does not have COVID-19, however. I don't know why I felt like I needed to add that. Well, I think I heard some people saying, what, is, is Brandon like isolated because he's got COVID-19? Now you're making it sound like he does No, he it. doesn't, though. Do you? I do not. Okay. Good. No. <laughs> do you? I do not. He's abiding by the rule of if you feel sick or you are sick, stay home. Just yeah, but if you're home. sick and you don't have COVID-19, just come on into work, right? No. There's other diseases out there, bro. Yeah, but we're only concerned about the COVID nineteen. I thought. I don't think it like if I get a tummy ache, I should June. stay home. I don't yeah, think it's cold in June. What's that? Or take the a whole, laxative. The whole point is, if you don't feel well, you're not supposed to go in at all. Buzz, do you feel unwell? Yeah, every day of my life. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> of course, I feel unwell. You know what? Let's start with small things. Let's just get Buzz to start sneezing into his arm and not out into the open. You know, I will I, give him that he has been doing that. I think a more direct approach would be to make sure that the camera's off during the commercials, Joanna, so I can I'm sneeze sorry. without everybody seeing it. The control for the like, camera's all the way on the other side of me. We'll put Nico in charge of that. I am. So then he has to go into a completely different room? Brandon, do you see what you staying home because of a non-COVID disease is resulting in me being seen blowing my nose on camera? <laughs> oh, it's like ripples, that's actually not the worst thing you've done. Right, on camera. Like, I'm just upset because everyone keeps calling you out. Right, on they're it like, the "Oh, d- Buzz blowing his nose on camera." Well, there's snot up there. What do you guys want me to do? I didn't. The camera's supposed to be off during the commercials. But Nico is in charge of that. Thank you, Nico. Are you? You're welcome. And yes, sometimes. <laughs> uh, we had this topic uh, that was on the New York Post, and it said the average age when a guy starts feeling like he's turning into his father was 37 and we talked about it on monday so i realized brandon is like right at that he's much closer to that specific age than you or i are mm-hmm. wait yeah 37 yeah just um, passed it yeah so you just passed 37 i thought it'd be interesting to get your take on these so i'm going to name things it's like signs that you're turning into your dad right. and tell me how much they apply to you and let's say as compared to 10 years ago you know uh, for instance, okay. the first one's taking grilling very seriously. Well, you take grilling more seriously than you did when you were 11, of course. But do you take it more seriously than you did when you were 28? No, I think I did uh, really since I was an adult, you know, 18, 19 You've years always old. taken your grilling seriously? Yeah. If you're going to do it, do it right. Do you marinate? Yes. Okay. Dry rub? Do you do dry? Or wet rub? Or uh, wet- not, no. <laughs> you don't rub your meat? Spit in it for, no, I'm kidding. Well, gross, <laughs> gross, gross, gross. <laughs> Lather it up. <laughs> um, yeah, I've always, I think I've always taken my grilling fa- fa- fairly seriously. 
You know. Yeah. But mine's easy, I mean, it's especially maybe, if it's just for me. It's you put the you put the rub on it, you let it sit, you get that grill as hot as it can go. That's why I let that grill go for thirty minutes, get it super hot. Then you put the steak on there, but you it's only on there like on a minute per side. You flip it over, it's sealed. It's almost like like blue rare steak. So I like raw meat is basically what I'm saying. So my grilling. It's like charred on the outside. Just char- yeah, just charred a little bit. And then Keep pretty, it much, on the inside. pretty much raw on the inside. You like raw? <sighs> I mean, it's rare enough that, yeah, it's, 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 bleeding. Beyond, it's beyond pink, that's for sure. Do you ever cook a T-bone? Mm-hmm. Do you know you're technically supposed to cook it on the bone, on the edge? What do you mean? Um, I, this actually came from Joe Rogan experience. He had a chef on there and he, the chef was explaining how he cooks a steak. And he said, sometimes depending on the steak, it could take up to an hour. And he does what you do where it's super hot, but yeah. you do it in spurts. Like you basically you put it on for just ver- a very brief amount of time and then you take it off and then you put it back on for a very brief Why? amount of time and then you take it off. It's just, it's just how it cooks the steak. But then what he was talking about with the T-bone is you cook it on the edge on the bone and what that does is it heats the bone up the bone then distributes the heat evenly throughout the steak oh you mean like on its side like the steak yeah, keep the steak on, the, on the side yeah where the bone would be on the bottom yeah well you almost have to be like holding it up and down yeah, yeah. you're holding the steak upright almost no the bone goes through the middle guys i don't know what you're talking about it's a t-bone yeah at the top of the t at the top oh, of the, the t top, top of the, the t, t-, t- sitting gotcha. on the grill right. yeah <laughs> I suddenly grasped what you were saying. So what do you hold it there with? Tongs or something? I guess so. Or you, or you have some sort of specific grill. But it was it, kind of, it blew my mind. Okay, um, I don't take it that seriously. That. I'm not going to sit out there and hold it with tongs for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you've, reached my, you've reached my limit. All right, so other things that might make you think you're turning into your dad. Uh, and 37 is the age where the average guy starts turning into his father. Oh, this is a good to- a Father's Day topic. I didn't realize. Oh, but uh, <laughs> So Brandon just, just turned 38. You fix no. things instead of replacing them. Um, so, mm, no, I think I've always, I've always tried to fix things before replacing them. Now, my, in my early 20s, it was, I ah, just throw it away. I'll just buy a new one. Um. Which was interesting because I didn't have money back then. It, it made no sense. Where, where now I, where I have, do have the money, I could probably just easily replace it. I am more inclined to fix something now than, than trying to replace it. Okay. I, I'll but say of course, this. I think some of that also has to do with YouTube. Because, when it, I mean, YouTube is a savior when it comes to fixing anything around the house. It's amazing. Like, YouTube has replaced all the dummies books, right? Like yeah, pretty much. Yeah, why would anybody do caulking for, for dummies du- when you could just Wait, go do what caulking? <laughs> <laughs> you never laid some caulk. <laughs> it's supposed to go in cracks. You it's never white and it's sticky and it comes out of a tube. Okay, caulking. Okay. God. If you let it sit for long, it dries. Uh huh. They've got different kinds of caulk depending on the job. <laughs> <laughs> there's loose caulk and yeah. then there's hard, hard caulk. caulk. <laughs> For sure. Um, 
I think I've always felt like our culture has been a throwaway culture. You know, like when my parents were growing up, it was the Depression, and they talked about how they they never threw away socks. Mm -hmm. They'd get holes in them, and they'd mend the socks and Mm -hmm. stuff. Well, even by the time I was – when I was a kid – I think socks had moved into the realm where it's just not worth the time to sew up a hole in a sock, you know, unless mm-hmm. unless you're yeah. super poor, I guess. But even then, it's like, I think most people would just be like, oh, throw it away. I'll get a new sock. It's got a hole in it. Um, you start telling dad jokes. Does that describe you, Brandon? Oh, yeah. And none of them get laughed at at all. Really? I would have thought no. that your little girl would give you a courtesy laugh because she seems sweet like that. No, uh, no, I... I, I Sometimes I don't think she can tell if it's a joke or not because I have such a dry delivery. Uh-huh. Um, she can't really tell if I'm trying to tell a joke. Like there was one time, your, your delivery in, is like your rub, dry. Yes, dry. dry. There was one time she was in um, a closet and she was getting frustrated with something, and I wasn't sure what it was. Would you encourage your kids her. to come out of the closet though? If they would like to, yes. <laughs> yeah. Their choice. Um, it's their choice. So I go back there and she's trying to get this like Moana toy out and it's stuck so i you know I, I go to help her out i grab it and i notice that the foot is caught on something and that's why it's uh, what's is what's preventing it from being taken out so i move it around and i pull it out and i grab it to her and i go its foot was stuck and i hand it to her and i go it appears you were suffering from the agony of the feet <laughs> oh no but she and doesn't nothing. get the reference she doesn't and, get oh, the word nothing but see and that's what i'm telling i mean like, do you even like, know what it do you know what it's a reference to the agony of defeat. Yeah, what's it a reference to? I thought it was Losing. just a saying. Yeah, it's just a saying. That was on Wide World of Sports. You would see it every week on Wide World of Sports, and they would show a guy winning a race or something. It's like the thrill of victory. And, then and they, the agony of defeat. And they would always show the same clip of the guy uh, just completely eaten on a downhill ski <laughs> course. Like this yeah. guy just... Blah, 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 and he's like, and the yeah, agony yeah. of defeat. That's real agony, too, for those people. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, it's it's one of many that just don't. But no, don't she's get not going to get she, that. All. Kid's not going to get that one. Uh, you fall asleep on the couch watching sports. I fall I've asleep on the couch watching anything. I I fall asleep yeah. on the couch watching anything. Uh, how about this one? <laughs> if if you're just joining us, we're going through this list. They said that the average guy starts uh, turning into his dad at 37, and Brandon just passed 37 not too long ago. Uh, you grunt getting up off the couch. I think I've been doing that for years. <laughs> I think I've done that since I was like 25. You were a young grunter? I think. Yeah, I think the grunts have gotten more pronounced and mm-hmm. maybe a little bit louder, but yeah, there was always a little... <laughs> How about this one? Every time you get up. You mute commercials. That seems really dated. You don't mute commercials. You fast forward through commercials. <laughs> Who moved? Yeah, who I mean, mutes that's commercials? We do. I mean, we don't, People with cable we still? don't watch a lot. Yeah, we don't watch a lot of stuff that. Uh, yeah, really but even if they have cable, they have DVR. They're not Neanderthals, right? <laughs> we're not talking about like basic cable. No, not everybody gets DVR. We're not talking about Aborigines from New Guinea or anything. We're talking about people that live in the modern world. Who well, I mean, that? we get commercials because we we if it's a local station, we only have rabbit ears for that because we have sling for everything else. So we we do get commercials when oh, we're okay. watching. Or TV. there's we still just don't watch commercials on Hulu though. if you have that. So you might have to mute those only if you don't. What you the, can pay for commercial for Hulu? Yeah, I think I've got that. Um, you love to mow the lawn. You have 
like xeriscaping, like don't you? Right. You're, yeah, your lawn is gravel. I found out I love to, grass. I love to mow the lawn when I go to my parents' house because every now and then I do need a break from them, <laughs> and, and also they've got one of these riding mowers. It's super cool. <laughs> Like when I'm in it, I pretend that I'm Ripley in Aliens. You know, when she fights the alien with the with the exosuit, I'm out there, mm, but I'm fighting the yard. Yours is my, just a mm, sit-down mower. Yeah, I could do it for hours. I love it, but not here. Got a guy to do that. Um, How about you? Oh, God, this is... This one, I'm all over. You don't like it when other people touch your thermostat. No. <sighs> No, I mean, I really don't care. Anybody can touch your thermostat. I, I yeah. hate when I come in and somebody set the thermostat higher in the summer. I like it where I like it. Buzz has to be able to be in his underwear. If it's, any, if it's, if it's too hot or too cold, it's unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it should be optimal. You know, it's air conditioning. We're for the most optimum comfortable level, and the most optimum comf- comfortable level would be if you were sans clothes. <laughs> <laughs> which, expl- <laughs> which explains why he doesn't have company a lot. Uh, all right, so just some of the signs that you might be turning into your dad, and if you're wondering, the average guy says yeah, around 37 is when that starts happening. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. So, uh, let me talk quickly about the police officer in Georgia who posted a video. It's it's her having kind of like an emotional breakdown. Uh, People have been referring to her as Officer Karen. And I think if you stop and look at it, they're not completely unsympathetic. It's just the comments when she posted it. So many people were like, Oh, I can't believe you have to go through this. Because what she's doing is saying she went to a restaurant to pick up food. And this report out of New York that a bunch of NYPD cops had gotten poisoned. That is Shake Shack? Shake Shack had affected her so much that it really rattled her. Okay. Pertinent to the story, the NYPD did their own investigation and found out that, that there was... there it had No poisoning. There was yeah. no poisoning. So this, this lady is very distraught. And people are like, oh, what are you afraid of? non-existent poison but i i think there's a bigger issue here and it's that i think there are a lot of police officers who are close to some kind of uh crisis Mm -hmm. you know emotional or mental i so let's let's hear the woman the comments were so supportive of the of the police officer people were saying yeah i wonder if if the people making these comments had as much sympathy for George Floyd's daughter or for Trayvon Martin's mm-hmm. parents or you know any of this other Trayvon Martin's not a good example because George Zimmerman wasn't a police officer, I guess, technically. But mm-hmm. I don't have to reach for examples. You know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I can't believe all of these people are so upset that this lady didn't get her McMuffin in a timely manner and they're not upset. I think a, that's a big deal, though. I mean, the the McMuffin part of it makes it seem pe- like sh- she comes across as small when she's complaining about a big a McMuffin. I think she comes across as probably suffering PTSD. So let's let's hear. I don't know the officer's real name, but I guess she's 15 year uh, veteran of the police somewhere in Georgia, and she put this out on social media. Uh, I don't know if she deserves to be mocked, though. Okay, so so she's not getting thanked enough by people. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's a lot to work there. If you wanted to point to like white privilege and stuff, there's there's a lot that you could point to there. But I want to suggest to you that I think this lady is in a state that a lot of police officers are, and that is a state of ongoing PTSD. Whether they've been shot well, be at or not before. claiming it as PTSD. I mean, it could be some sort of anxiety or something like that and not necessarily be PTSD. But there's definitely something going on there where if something like that is causing that much of a reaction to her, then yeah, there's clearly something going on that needs to be addressed. I, I'm, I'm calling it PTSD because I'm thinking of all the things that a police officer might have to deal with, even if it's not like oh, I was in a shootout with, with a bank robber last week. It could be things like being the first on a crime scene and seeing a dead body, mm-hmm. seeing um, you know the, the victims of a car wreck. And then you get into, you know, part of your job is going into these domestic situations and you never know if somebody's going to pull a gun out, you know, or even a traffic stop. You don't know that you're going to pull over somebody who's got like kilos of drugs in there and they're going to shoot you in the face. Okay, but on the flip side, if police officers are involved in these shootings, could they just use that as a an excuse to 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 describe why they I don't I don't know about an excuse, but I think it would be better off as a society acknowledging that a lot of the people that we we put out there to protect us because there's a whole group in the middle of us mm-hmm. uh, who who don't have to deal with these sort of things. And that if we acknowledge, hey, we got a lot of these people walking around armed who could probably use counseling. And there's a reason police officers don't seek a lot of counseling. And I would say, just look at this video. This lady put it on there and everybody's making her look, you know, she wishes she hadn't put it on social media. You know, this is a police officer showing a moment of vulnerability and she gets her S jumped you know, online. Well, because I, I, I feel like it ignores the whole part about police brutality, right? It kind of just defers those those problems to... I'm just not blowing off what I see as a clear sign that there are a lot of police officers who are walking around with some oh, serious emotional absolutely. baggage. Absolutely. It's a tough job. On. It's one of the hardest jobs anybody can do. And if we just ridicule people for that, it doesn't go anywhere toward a solution. But, but maybe the reason they, they are so stressed out, too, is because we're asking too much of them. We're asking them to do too much. Uh-huh. So. Which speaks to the uh, what's being called the defund the police, which is the worst title for a program ever. They're not talking about defunding as in, oh, we're going to not have any police anymore. Uh, I don't know who decided to call it defund the police because that's the worst pitch <laughs> I've ever heard. Yeah. It's... It make, that makes it sound like you don't need police. Yeah. What, what they're talking about is... Well, let, just to give an example, in a lot of domestic issues, let's say uh, a family calls because they've got a mentally disturbed relative who is off their meds and acting erratically. That's probably not really best for a police officer to even show up at. Mm-hmm. That's probably a social worker needs to show up at that. Mm-hmm. If somebody's house got robbed, the police aren't, in most cases, going to stop it in the middle of the robbery. They're going to be sent out. They're going to take a report that's going to go to the insurance company for replacements. We ask the police to do so many different things, you know, and I think the defund the police movement is saying, well, let's channel some of this into other areas and we're still going to have, you know, police doing certain crucial aspects. So uh, Alicia writes in over on Facebook about why officers are so 
resistant to getting counseling. Uh, and it, Alicia writes, it's because officers see therapists in-house. If they say the wrong thing to the therapist regarding PTSD, they could be terminated or demoted. So a lot of officers won't say what they're really feeling or won't go to the therapist at all. Uh, I, I don't know if that's true, but I think there's probably a culture where you don't want to, you want to look tough, you know? Mm-hmm. You're a police officer. Even if you're a female police officer like the one in this video, you know, you don't want to get ribbed. I'm sure she feels really bad that everybody's making fun of her because of this. Um, so th- this is the police officer who was freaking out over order at McDonald's. And I- I'm just saying, I think you've got people in law enforcement, thousands of them who have PTSD that they're carrying around with them every day. And then the people that they police the most, meaning the, the poor communities and especially the inner city communities, those people have a whole different experience. We probably can't relate to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just living in in that kind of environment. So you've got people with PTSD patrolling people with PTSD, and I think that is something that really needs to be addressed. Uh, instead of making fun of this lady, you know, realize how many other cops are there that are just that tense. It didn't help her that it turned out that the Shake Shack thing didn't pan out they well, investigated you, it and they you don't know if that's the reason she was upset or she was scared though she probably just felt like people were oh, the, the video was longer and she she went into oh the shake shack yeah oh, she okay. was definitely worried about the food because of the reports about the shake shack i i play i had to edit for time here but oh, yeah the okay. longer thing definitely makes that clear it's the buzz adams morning show podcast all right, Joanna's got entertainment news on the way. We're going to get to that here in just a few minutes. This is kind of entertainment uh, because we have a update. Uh, talk about uh, Brandon. Talk about the uh, dating Masterson. Uh, we we've been hearing these rumors, or uh, maybe not even for rumors. a few years. For a few years, mm-hmm. this has been going on that that he's uh, there's some problematic issues with pretty dating Masterson. Is- and, and these ones are, are are pretty bad because he has been charged with forcibly raping three women in separate incidents. This happened between 2001 and 2003. If you remember, it was just a few years ago. He was on the show The Ranch, yeah. which was on Netflix with um, Ashton Kutcher. And when these allegations came out, they pulled him off that show. And then nothing was really said about it. But it was... It, it, it was never really questioned that much whether or not this happened. And now finally, I guess they have the evidence and he has now been um, charged with this. And the the rumor was back in the day when this happened, these women tried to come forward and Scientology shut them down as he and his family are Scientologists. I thought there was the some kind of was. background having to do with like his religious beliefs but i couldn't remember what it was but that's that's the deal is his family scientologist and they're saying that these women were i don't know would would the church of scientology have the power to to shut down accusers if they wanted to yeah it it appears they did i mean what are they going to do they've totally done that for other people too yeah but mostly when they're attacking the church of scientology right? or tom cruise but mostly former members i thought like what would they do 
to a woman who had a credible accusation against Danny Masterson. Mm, they probably like hire a, a private detective, maybe somebody that would go look into their past, try to discredit them. Just try and dig up something damaging on them? Okay. All right. I, I asked. I mean, I was just wondering, what do they do? They go pick it in front of, <laughs> of the victim's house? Mm-hmm. How, I don't think they would outright do anything like that, uh, th- that, that blatant. Um, but that, w- that was the rumor, is that somehow Scientology kind of kept these women quiet. Um, although they have, they have denied, they, are, they adamantly have denied um, any, any sort of involvement, and they've also said that uh, Danny Masterson is innocent of all these charges. Oh, the Church of Scientology. Yeah, we don't know have, what the, we too. don't know if the if the women the accusers can confirm or deny. Well, yeah, the church the church was asked about this. This was a few years ago, back when he was pulled. Uh, Danny Masterson was pulled off of the show, The Ranch. In a statement, the church said the church adamantly denies the implica- implication the church would ignore the criminal behavior of certain members, especially at the expense of alleged victims. What is being stated is utterly untrue. This has nothing to do with religion. This story is being manipulated to push a bigoted agenda. The church follows all laws and cooperates with law enforcement. Any statement or implication. To the contrary, oh, wait, wait a second. Did by saying that, did the Church of Scientology say this is really an attack on us, not on Danny Masterson? Um, I I think they said kind of both, Mm -hmm. but that statement specifically, how would they know if the allegations were completely false? Did they well, because they asked him because they're saying he's basically such a close member of our church that we would know, or is it like, look, we do frequent, uh, we do frequent testing with our with our bogus scientific stuff, and he comes back clean every time. You know the the, the e meter. We, we e meter yeah. him like we e meter Danny Masters. He hasn't at had at least once a month. Thetans in a long time. Yeah, there were no rape thetans anywhere <laughs> around him. I wonder if that's how they're so sure. Okay. Uh, Mingazi, go ahead, uh, Nico. What do you have about Chris D'Elia? Well, I mean, so specifically, Chris D'Elia is a comic. And he got cast to play a, a pedophile in mm-hmm. the Netflix show You. According to season two, yeah. And, and somebody came forward and goes, oh, that's ironic. When I was 17, he used to, he was trying to hit on me. Mm-hmm. So give me an example of some of the... so uh, Comedians use social media to connect with fans. Probably some comedians hit on fans. Yeah. Do we know that he knew that the girl was 17? That's her claim is that as she looks back over her text, she realizes... No, I told him I was underage, yes. and he still kept hitting on me. Well, so the woman named Simone Rossi um, shared the series of screenshots of emails she had with uh, Delia uh, exchanged in 2014 and 2015 when she was 16 years old, and she did okay. mention her age to him in the emails. And I, I, I'm going to say something. I know I'm walking on thin ice here, but there, one of the one of the accusers was 17, and he was like early 30s. Mm-hmm. Is that technically illegal? You mean based on like the age of consent yeah. and the, the I mean, state that they're it, in? It, being creepy is one thing, but is it technically also illegal? I think it depends on what state he would be in, probably. Uh, true. And I, also, would those rules apply to, uh, you know, that kind of digital communication? Because that might be covered by some kind of federal law. But there is no federal statute. Uh no, so so some women um, are are just basically accusing him of being too persistent, basically, you know, harassment and sexual, you know, sexual harassment. Okay, and these women are not. So all... I don't think that has to do with the age or the or the. Oh, I think the fact. Well, that you can he's... still sexually harass somebody even if they're, you know, of age. Okay, 
Um, and m- many of the, the, the screenshots that w- uh, women have posted since then show kind of a history of, of these kind of you know, things. Okay, well, give me an example of one of the exchanges. Do we have any of those? Um, let me see. Well, for example, uh, one exa- example is that he exposed himself to a woman who went to help fix the air conditioner in his Cleveland hotel okay, but room. but that's very different from, oh, he was hitting on me via text or via WhatsApp or Yes, whatever. no, no, that's an in-person I mean, thing. Th- that, that's, a, that's not what I'm asking about. I, and in fact, I, I mean, sure, that's another thing. He exposed himself to a lady. Okay. Yeah, that's something completely different. One user named Meg accused the star of trying to F my friend when we were 16. And when I called you out on Twitter, you told her you'd ruin her life if I didn't delete it. Um, fellow comedian Emma Arnold, for her part, tweeted that one of Delia's best friends warned me to never send Chris nudes because he made them into memes and showed them to other male comics at shows. Which, assuming if some of those pictures are of underage girls, then he was basically oh, okay. distributing. All right, so he's a creep. Has he done anything illegal? Well, that sounds bor- pretty borderline and, and actually legal to me. Uh, but th- they haven't charged him with anything. He denies uh, you know, acting inappropriately. He does say... Uh, he, so he's come out since then saying that he, he you know, is sorry that... Oh, he kind of acknowledges? He denies... So, do you want me to read his statement? He, he says, I have never knowingly pursued any underage women at any point. All of my relationships well. have both been legal and consensual, and I've never met or exchanged any in- inappropriate photos with the people who have tweeted about me. I do have um, some screenshots of some text, mes- text messages between him and somebody who was underage, and it gets to the point where he talks about, um, he asks her, how old are you anyway? And she responds that she was 17. He says, ah, too young. Wink face. I'm leaving tomorrow. And then she says, you know, that's really sad. How old are you anyways? And he's like 30 with multiple exclamation points. And then you see it looks it seems like that conversation has ended. And this is back from 2011. Um, And then all of a sudden, after you think the conversation has ended, he starts hitting her up again with hi with multiple eyes. She responds back and then. The conversation gets going again, and he gets to the point where he says, I think you're cute, I guess. <laughs> Guys? Uh, it sounds like, a, like a, a, a creepy older guy creeping on girls on the internet and trying to get laid. Well, all right, how about this one? Another entry claimed that Delia tried to fly a girl from Canada to L.A. to stay with him and hook up. And then he proceeded to use her the 18-year-old's nude photos as blackmail when she didn't want to go. So she had already sent him Nudes. nude photos. And he said, why don't you come visit me? And she said, no, I don't want to go. And he said, well, if you don't come visit me. I'll okay, just... there's a thing about revenge porn. Yeah, that's... Revenge porn is one thing. I thought this was all about the underage. No, it's so just it's underage like a... and some other It's a history of stuff, sexual sure. harassment and, yeah, being creepy. Well, what have you ever heard? You've never worked with Chris D'Elia? I haven't worked with him personally. And, you know, I just think it... It gives all comics a bad name about being creepy and, and weird and stuff. And so I... I don't want people to assume that. Yeah, I think a comic would be funnier when he's trying to hit on an (laughs) 18-year-old. Is that what you mean? No, I mean, I just, I think people should call this kind of stuff out uh, sooner. Like, Louis C.K., the fact that he would do, you know, you know, touch himself inappropriately in front of uh, female comedians. But he asked for permission he ahead did. of time. And that was also known amongst other comedians. I remember hearing like that. Was that was like, hey, it's commonly known in the comedy business that Louis does this. Yeah. 
Like it was even pointed out in the green one of the green rooms that I was at for a club, and they were like, "Oh yeah, right there, we did it right there." And I had heard the same thing. I've I've uh, worked with uh, Chris Lee's openers, who he uses as his openers now, Uh and I've worked with them before. I remember hearing those kind of stories about, "Oh, Chris is just oh, he's got mad girls all over him," you know. Wait, they told you that he he was successful with girls? Oh yeah, just like an endless. Or was he? Were they talking about like he was creepy with girls? No more. Well, I mean, because that doesn't sound like a necessarily a negative thing if they're telling you this guy, unless you're saying, "Oh, and they're like." Disturbingly young. No, they they definitely didn't bring it up like that. But it just kind of okay. So he was. I mean, from what they told you is that he was successful with females. Yeah, and that he would just uh, have his pick of the night. That he could just pick whoever was hanging with him, and he could just point at a girl and you know go to the hotel room. So with why him. would he have to be text messaging you know somebody at a different place? If, I, if, that's all I've been thinking about since I saw this article. Was man, this guy was supposedly getting laid all the time. Why did he need to do that? And then he, part of the, the MO he was using was every city he went to have a show in, he would call up the, or message a girl that he had met there previously. Or um, Would you call that unheard of male professional comedian behavior? Um, would I call that... Un- unheard of. No, that is not unheard of. <laughs> but right. it's unheard of to is do that. Is it common? Yes, it is common. Okay, so uh, he was doing a thing that is very common in the stand-up comedy community. Yeah, to talk to you know fans or people you had seen before. Hey, I met that. you the last time I was in Boise. I'm going to be coming back. Exactly. Through. Would you like to come see a show? But not underage girls. And not especially if they've already told you this. That they're underage. That they're underage. Um, Once again, you're saying underage. Is 18 underage? Well, not, that's not underage, but I'm saying the whole uh, you know uh, nude blackmail and, and revenge porn. I realize porn it sounds and, like I'm trying to make an excuse for this guy. I had not even heard of Chris D'Elia until I read this stuff about him yesterday. I'm just, I'm his, just his like... His dad's a huge producer in Hollywood, a TV okay. produ- producer. And right. so, so he's always had a leg up in, the, in this industry. But like, I had a friend who used... Should he be hashtag canceled? I say yes. You say yes, yes, just based on the things he's being accused of. and It, it just combined. fits a pattern from what I've heard, and it just sounds like... So he's a sleazebag. Yeah, he's sleazy. So, even if nobody files any criminal charges, he still deserves to be what driven out of comedy, driven out of showbiz altogether. I mean, I I think so. I think this right. it's kind of crossing a line when you you start. You're a 30 year old. What are you doing? He's 40 now. It's like, would you ever consider talking to a 17? Well, you would not even consider messaging a 17 year old at 30. I'll tell you this: when I was growing up, no, I wouldn't. It would definitely be seen as oh, that's. He likes them kind of young, but it would not have been something where it's like, oh, that guy is a criminal. You know, if there was a 30-year-old who was dating an eight, a 17-year-old. Yeah, it would be weird, but it wouldn't be. It, yeah, you know, and people might, like, raise some eyebrows, but it's not like anybody would go to the cops. Did I ever tell you our valedictorian, the smartest girl in our class, straight A's all the way, mm-hmm. got married between our junior and senior year to, like, a 25-year-old? <laughs> And it was like, sure, it was like, wow, that that seems like something weird to be happening in 1985, but not to the point, I mean, everybody knew about it. They were married. They were lawfully wedded. Well, I'm just saying it's not 
the craziest thing I've ever heard of. And that was in my lifetime. How about this? The power dynamic between a famous comedian lording that over somebody that's young, impressionable, and... All right. The power dynamic between a rock star and anybody who goes to see him. Sure. The power dynamic between an athlete and their... How many athletes and rock stars have been accused of inappropriate stuff? They have been, and they're using their power dynamic in an inappropriate way. So I think they should be canceled. Okay. Well, then we got a lot to go back through because you got plenty of rock stars who were blatantly doing this kind of stuff in the 70s should they be held accountable i mean if we've got some witnesses and all right just go watch almost famous man oh yeah you don't have you can read like actual accounts of uh like the original groupies the people that they base that movie on well is there a story about motley Crue about the two guys that did they try not to shower for a long time yeah yeah that was gross. I yeah. don't know if it was underage, but uh, Ted Nugent adopted a girl that he was sexually involved with, with her parents' permission, so that he could take her around and be her legal guardian oh, while simultaneously. Gross. Yeah. Ted Ted Nugent. <laughs> this, this was not a secret either. Everybody knew this. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. All right, I've got the true crime report I want to get to. So uh, let's go ahead and get into the true crime report. Let's do it. Nope. Don't do it. Not going to do it. Don't do it. It's against the law. It's against the law. Listen to it. Listen Listen, you can it's hear how long the, the delay is. For Listen Brandon. to the next oh, one. Yeah, and the, Brandon's. Re- yeah, you're <laughs> off. Damn it. Go. See, try and sing along with it. I'll do it when it gets to the. It's against the law. It's, part. it's against the law. It's against the law. <laughs> what would it's, you say? Like half second? Yeah, there's like a full about half, half, a half a second delay. Because it's totally Everybody's on point on my though. end. <laughs> That's for you for the podcast, Joanna. Thank you. I need you guys to sing the song. (laughs) What? I need you to sing the song. We can't put the song in the podcast because we don't have the rights to it. So it helps if we sing along. It just and it sounds goofy as hell with us just kind of singing along. We don't have the rights to play Wesley Willis's "It's Against the Law" (laughs) on our podcast. Not on our podcast. You don't want them to come after you, man. (laughs) What the estate of Wesley Willis? (laughs) Uh, All right, on today's true crime report, we got uh, several stories that are definitely worth getting to. Uh, First of all, this involves uh, a bald-headed man from Oregon, so I'm going to assume Uh it could have been Brandon. Uh Oh, I mean, I know he was in Oregon. It says here, naked guy in Oregon robbed somebody in a 7-Eleven parking lot and then climbed on top of a really tall pole and waited out cops for 12 hours. Did I mention he was naked while he was on the pole? No, seriously, did I mention that? Because that's part of the story, too. Police police finally nab nude man who spent 12 hours on top of a really tall pole. (laughs) (laughs) That just sounds dirty. The police in Eugene, Oregon, got a call around 3 a.m. on Monday about a man who allegedly attacked and robbed a man in the 7-Eleven parking lot. 
they came to find out the man was 39 year old Brandon. Brandon. Oh God. Lee Jackson. Oh. And I was reading this. I was like, boy, that could be Brandon. Let's compare this Brandon to our Brandon. <laughs> Uh, he looks older than you do. Yeah. He looks rough. His, his, he's got tattoos too, but he's got he's his got, neck tattoo is way better than yours, dude. And his eye tattoos. He's also got those post Malone tattoos around his eyes. I don't know what it says, but and then you can see in the really? picture there. There's Brandon naked. Oh, it's a tele. It's not a telephone. What's that called? No, Railroad tra- crossing yeah. post. That's what it is. Wonder if he got any splinters. When police uh, eventually arrived on the scene, tracked down Mr. Jackson. He'd climbed to the top of a very tall railroad crossing sign, and he was perched up there. I'm going to say he was probably 20 feet in the air. Yeah. That's what it looks like. About two stories up. Mm-hmm. And he decided he wasn't going to move. He was going to wait for the cops to leave. <laughs> and there was a big, you know, see who budges no, first. No, you go first. So more than 12 hours before the man eventually climbed down the pole... Not to give himself up, but he to try and make a run for it. <laughs> so I guess he got tired of waiting, and he was going to climb down the pole and try to get away. Uh, it says a police dog got to him first. Uh. The suspect put the dog in a headlock and punched it repeatedly. Oh, Brandon, why would you do that? Congratulations, moron. You just assaulted an officer on top of everything else. Yeah. yeah. The cops quickly caught up to him and arrested him on multiple charges. So there's a picture of the guy on top of the pole. That's hilarious. That's a long time to be on a pole. I would argue, if I were his lawyer, it's like, okay, sir, he did punch the police dog, but let's be perfectly honest here. He was naked. There was a good chance he could have had his ding-dong bit off. Do you think he he qualifies for being on Naked and Afraid? I got to think. By the sound of it, he wasn't afraid. It, yeah, it doesn't sound like he was all that afraid. <laughs> Naked and unafraid. I agree. I do agree with that. Naked and brave. <laughs> all right. Our next story is uh, involves one of the people on Tiger King who got pulled over. Or didn't get pulled over. It was a DUI, but he wasn't driving at the time. Do you know how that works? Like, sometimes the cops can see you walking mm-hmm. to your vehicle, and then... They wait until you're in the vehicle and then light them up. So you're not technically driving, but you're in your vehicle, like in a bar parking lot. Do you have to have your keys in the ignition? I don't know. I think that has to be one of the things. I I don't know. Or if just being in the in the I don't know. I'm not a police officer. What if you jumped in the passenger seat right as the police pulled up? Then they couldn't get you for driving. Okay, I just want you to listen to this guy, uh, and this is Alan Glover. If you don't remember him from Tiger King, he was the associate of Jeff Lowe. He was like Jeff Lowe's right-hand man. Right. And he's the guy that supposedly was going to kill Carol Baskin for, for Joe, for Joe Exotic. Uh, he seems like a, like a career criminal. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he came off as like, oh, this is the guy you go to when you when you don't want to get your hands dirty, but this guy Apparently is he's like not a, reliable. Um so Alan like, Glover, how was that dude not in prison? Yeah. Well, I think he was state's evidence, right? Like it was oh, his testimony that it was his oh, testimony that right. put away. Yeah, yeah you're right. Joe, uh, Joe Exotic. So Alan Glover, he's in the parking lot, walking out intoxicated from a strip club, or appeared to be intoxicated. He got into his vehicle, and then the police pulled up and wanted to ascertain whether or not he was drunk. 
I wasn't going to play this be, just because it's oh that Tiger King thing is it's kind of over, but it's just the interaction between this guy and the cop it makes it worth playing, he, whether he was on Tiger King or not. <laughs> even the cop, even the cop has to admit, okay, this this dude is funny. On a scale of one to ten, I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place, you know, right I'm now. Good. Okay, did, I know. A I heard. F. I heard him say, "I've got a third-rate education." Did you hear third grade education? Earlier, I heard third grade. Well, mm-hmm. Listen to it again, because <laughs> honestly, it could be either one. <laughs> if I'm listening to it a second yeah. time, it could be third rate or third grade. His third grade education could have been third rate. What was the magic combination of words that, like, the police officer was like, okay, well, you said whatever I needed you to say to arrest you. Like, wh- It was that he didn't think he could drive. If he'd have said, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, told, I'm fine. No, the police officer probably He probably still, would yeah. have still arrested him, but. Do you know one through four? No. No, not good. Well, it does seem, look, I'm glad this guy wasn't out on the road, obviously. But it does seem like kind of a trick to get him to say he was planning on driving. It's like, do you feel like you could operate a vehicle? No. Well, then to feel like you couldn't means you must have been planning on doing it. I don't know. The whole thing seemed, thank God that he didn't drive that night. He could have killed somebody. Yeah. But it seems a little like cop tricky. You know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, I get it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you get it, Nico? I get it. And uh, finally, a guy tried to avoid getting arrested by throwing white claws at the cops. (laughs) I had to read that headline twice. Who did he think the cops were? White sorority girls? 36-year-old Matthew Stinson pulled a knife on a clerk at a hotel. This happened in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's not clear why he pulled a knife on a hotel clerk, but he took off before the police could arrive. They found him six hours later, and he tried to get away by throwing cans of White Claw at them. He missed. He didn't hit any of the police officers, and the police caught him after a short chase. I guess he just had a White Claw. You know, it's probably one of those things where, well, Mm -hmm. what do I have close? He should have gotten them to drink it, and then they would have felt bad. He's been charged with resisting arrest, making terroristic threats, use of a deadly weapon to commit a felony. And the last charge is about him pulling the knife, by the way. So the deadly weapon is not the white claw. Okay. It was a knife from earlier, so they're not classifying the white claw. Although if you didn't know what white claw was, would you think that was a weapon? I think it was like a Marvel uh, supervillain. It'd be like, yeah, White Claw. He's kind of like Black Panther, but it's all white. <laughs> With half the calories. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Buzz Adams Morning Show podcast. So I thought a little bit later this hour we could talk about, uh, like, how strong are these rumors that there's going to be an Amazon distribution center in El Paso? I was going to get to that coming up a little bit later. What, what would that mean for us? bunch of jobs oh, like yeah. at 20 bucks an hour or whatever yeah. whatever they pay oh yeah and people, no i didn't know if you meant like it, we would get our our packages, packages sooner no, i don't know if it has anything to do with that <laughs> <laughs> plans appear this is according to the el paso times vic Kolink. plans appear to be in the works for amazon to put one of its giant distribution centers known as customer fulfillment centers on a large tract of land in far east El Paso County. 
You can also yeah. find the article at buzzadamshow.com if you'd like. Oh, crud. Did I miss that one? There's an article. Yeah. Who wrote it? Yeah. I did. Uh, well, why don't, you, why don't you tell me what's going on here? Well, so some of the paperwork has been filed. and So it's a real post- thing. It's not just like a rumor. Well, yeah. I mean, the paperwork's been filed, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but it's looking very likely. It says here that the, the proposed plan is going to take up uh, 115 acres of vacant land near Rojas Drive and East Lake Boulevard, and it's going to be technically outside of the city limits, mm-hmm. but it's going to be within what's called the extraterritorial jurisdiction, and that's a five-mile radius that, that happens around the city. That sounds like it's close to a horizon. I believe so. So yeah, it, it would so. technically be in Horizon, I guess. Um, it just says East El Paso County. I I can't think right off the top of my head where the county ends out that way. But some of the I was reading some comments about it, and people I saw some comments is like, "Yeah, we'll get this as soon as we get that cheesecake factory they've been promising <laughs> us for years." But I think it's a little more or the uh, the Great Wolf Lodge, is it, was yeah. it or the water was? park. Yeah. yeah, the water park that was supposed to go. In. We but don't see, mention they were them. In, they backed out because of COVID nineteen, didn't they? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably decided to downscale a lot of their plans, not just specific to El Paso, but sure. And I don't know how close it was to happening. I don't know if they bought the land, you know, or had it surveyed yet or anything. I this sounds like. As far as something that might actually happen, this uh, Amazon Fulfillment Center seems a lot more real than mm-hmm. than even the Great Wolf thing did and the Cheesecake Factory and the Six Flags. <laughs> 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 but then I said, I saw people saying, uh, they're going to come in and get all of our tax breaks. Is that something you think about when it's like, uh, you know, a, a company like Amazon is going to come in, say they're going to hire a couple thousand mm-hmm. people and the jobs are going to pay 20 bucks yeah. an hour starting. Do you think, oh, yeah, but they're going to ask for a bunch of tax abatements or do you think, I'd happily give them tax abatements because, you know, we need more jobs in El Paso and we need more high-paying jobs. Yeah. And that is a high-paying job when you're talking about like an hourly uh, labor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean... You might say, oh, well, that's not really high pay. Where are all the jobs that pay half a million? It's like, no, 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 no. 20 bucks, dude, is as a an, great job. As an EMT, I was making nine fifty an hour. <laughs> right. So that was part of it. If they pay a, 20 and if they include overtime, that's a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're willing if to they, pay that. Benefits? Yeah, you do whatever you can to get a company Although, like that to come to your Have county, you seen right? those people uh, in the, in the uh, warehouses, like how much they have to work? Like, they, they're timed on how much, you know... How, how fast they can get their products out. Uh, sure, I've heard reports. Well, that just sounds but... like a fun game. I would say when if... it's like, hey, you know, go brush your teeth and get ready for bed. I'm going to time you. <laughs> She's like, no, I'll, I'll win that. See how fast you can go upstairs and put your shoes away and come here's back the, down. Here's the thing. Knowing all that, that there are some tough working conditions and, you know, you're expected to really be pushing it. And you've heard all the complaints yeah. about working for Amazon. If they did start hiring... People would show up oh, to find the job to get that kind of work. Absolutely, you know. So no matter what the horror story is about it, if somebody's paying twenty dollars an hour to do something that you don't need a college degree for. Mm-hmm. They're going to find plenty of takers, and so who are you to sit there and say, "Oh, the conditions are too bad"? Let them let them decide if the conditions are too bad. Yeah, that's true. You know, 
if it's worth it to you, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it would be for a lot of people. That was the big deal when they decided their their huge operation was going in. Do you remember when all the cities in the country were were pitching woo mm-hmm. to Amazon to get this big thing? And yeah, they ended up going headquarters. With, I think right? they ended up going with New York City. But then, you know, there were people willing to change the name of their town to get Amazon to relocate there. They ended up picking up New York City, and all you heard was bitching and moaning in New York City mm-hmm. about. They picked the one place that didn't want it. Yeah, uh, Brooklyn. I think it was Brooklyn. They picked the one place, but the was one that city more, that didn't want them. Was that more about the place that they chose the the, the site? I think not necessarily just having it in general. But I you're, think you're was, in the New York metro area. It's gonna. It's you know. It's already crowded. It's already got so many people. I mean, where where in New York in New York City proper were you gonna pick? That people would have been, oh yeah, that's not going to have any negative impact or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that they were getting tax tax abatements and tax breaks and stuff. I don't know. I mean, maybe if I lived in New York, I'd have a different uh, take on it. But I live in El Paso, and I know one thing that we could really use. I know there are a lot of people who would love to, to stay in El Paso and not go someplace else to find a, a decent paying job. Is more jobs. And so I would say... Uh, yeah, I mean, don't let them take you to the cleaners when you're negotiating, but if Amazon wants to put a place here, work with them at least, right? How do you feel? I think they should. It's, you know, everybody always complains that there's not enough high-paying jobs here, that, you know, jobs are scarce and people have to move away. If something like this is willing to come to town, you you talk about it, at le- at, at the very least. Isaac says... Tax abatements are corporate welfare. It becomes never-ending. The demands from companies for more welfare. Look, if a company is saying to El Paso, hey, do you guys want us to come here or not because Midland is willing to give us tax abatement, uh, that's why you have to decide. Do you want these, you know, is it beneficial enough to your community? And I, I would think the answer would probably be Yes. All other things being equal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie says, I'm going to our chat right now. This city needs Amazon. It would be great for our economy. Um, that's the way things get done. Look, you know, when a company wants to relocate somewhere and, and they're a desirable or they're seen as a desirable thing to have, they can swing a deal with people. Now, you can say... Well, we're going to stand on principle, and we're not going to offer. Them. Well, fine, you won't get that. You won't get those jobs, and you won't get the stimulus that would yeah. come into a community. But on the flip side, how much is the city losing from potential taxes? Millions, I'm sure, a lot. And are we already in a uh, deficit right now? Pretty sure. I know, compared to my relatives who live in other cities in Texas, I, I, our taxes are up there with any of them. You mean, are we, do we pay a lot of taxes by living in El Paso? I would say co- comparative to the rest of Texas, yeah. No, no, I meant like where is where is our budget at right now after the the COVID crisis and stuff? How much how much has been expended on you know public services and things? Are we are we in debt? I don't know. Somebody's job, I'm sure. <laughs> they well, should look into it. I think that's important. <laughs> that's very important. If, if the city is in debt and then you give tax abatements, how is the city ever supposed to get out of debt? You know what I mean? Uh, bigger tax base 
you know, if you got a bigger tax base. I'm I'm sure knowing our city, they're probably trying to convince Amazon to put it downtown. That's probably yeah. the only sticking point is why do you want to be way There's out of be East El Paso? Right next door, we're gonna have streetcars and drop off all the employees. Right. <laughs> If I'm if I'm just trying to get inside the head of our city fathers, it's like, well, why don't you come downtown? <laughs> That's where we want everything to be. Um, okay, so so that's something we're talking about. I just found out we can't have Steve Kaplowitz on from his house at the same time that we have Brandon on oh, from no. his house. Why? Because Daver said. Daver when did Daver say me? this? It's a different system. On Tuesday, he told me. He wasn't sure if we could get Steve on at the same time that we have you on. Steve said he was connected yesterday. He was? Yeah, but we had on um, the lady from Wet n Wild. Chandra. Chandra. Yeah. Steve, can you hear me? Well, now I gotta... (laughs) (laughs) I was just repeating what Joanna had told me moments before we went on the air. Was that we couldn't have Steve on. Do you even know if he's connected right now? No. Well, then why are you asking... Who's the producer of the show today? Me. Okay. <laughs> and did I not tell you no? You said that he won't be on because he can't be on the same time Brandon is. Now I'm saying no. He's not on. I guess not. He usually texts me when he's <laughs> logging on or when he's connected, and he hasn't texted me yet, so you're talking to nobody. Hey, somebody sent me this picture, and I had to look it up and find out what's going on here, but it's... Uh, Hashtag breaking news yesterday. The mayors of nine of Texas' biggest cities, including El Paso, are urging Governor Greg Abbott in a letter to grant them, quote, the authority to set rules and regulations mandating face masks during the coronavirus pandemic. And the first picture is of DeMargo on Tuesday wearing a face mask. And the second picture is from Wednesday when they had that ribbon cutting at the Plaza Hotel downtown. And they're like... I don't know, eight or nine people in the picture. Nobody's wearing and a mask. Nobody's wearing a face mask. <laughs> so, and they're all standing on top of each other. Yeah. That's not th- six th- feet. They're, they're definitely not six feet, of, feet apart. Uh, D is right in the middle of it. And so the, the reason the mayors would be asking, hey, give us authority to set our own rules is because they want to make them stricter mm-hmm. than the rest of Texas is willing to do. And I guess it's... Suppo- uh, so I, I looked it up. Yeah, that was Wednesday. They had that ribbon cutting yesterday this picture of the day before i don't i don't i couldn't confirm that it was actually taken on tuesday but that is kind of interesting that that was the business of the day uh on tuesday was asking hey we want to have the authority to make stricter rules and then the very following day you've got all these uh people i think that's paul is that paul foster I'm trying to identify like who that looks I do like Paul reckon. Manafort. Almost. <laughs> it does kind of look like Paul Manafort, but you've got all these people at a ribbon cutting, no mask, no social distancing. So I guess the gist of of this is I try not to get my news from memes, but I found this interesting enough that I did have to look into it. <laughs> well, at least you researched the meme after. You didn't just spew whatever. Well, yeah, share, sharing it and spreading it yeah. around. Well, first of all, it came it, from it, or whether or not it's true. It was sent to me mm-hmm. by who I consider a reliable source. I don't consider the person who sent it to me somebody who gets duped by social media. But I immediate, I'm not immediately, but as soon as I could, I asked him, "Well, what was that ribbon cutting for? Did it actually take place on Wednesday?" You know, I wanted to make sure that uh, it it seems to check out. So. Yeah, on the one hand, you're asking the governor for permission to make reopening 
more strict. And then the next day, you're at a ceremonial function, no mask, no social distancing. I mean, this level of what hypocrisy the, just, I think, is I what mean, drives he has people crazy. A mask. He's just holding on to it while he claps. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm, I need to check closer. I'm not sure that he. I didn't see a mask. Oh. Hold on. Now I've got a Zapruder film this. <laughs> <laughs> I got to. There's the magic bullet. Possibly. That's, he might have a. Yeah. Oh, and then the, the, the woman. This lady definitely has yeah. a PPE. But they're not wearing the it. They're just holding back and to the left. The mask is back <laughs> and to I the think left. That's Tommy Gonzalez, who's the city manager. And he has a mask, but it's just under his chin. Is that Doc? Is that uh, Judge? I don't know who everybody in here is. I think that might be Judge <laughs> Samaniego. Or it actually looks kind of like Dr. Fauci, but I doubt he was at the reopening <laughs> ceremony. It does. If you look real close, it does kind of look like. I haven't seen this picture. Dr. Fauci. Uh, all right. So, what do you think of that? Just it's I think okay, a, there's a little a bit stunning, of hypocrisy. Yeah, it's stunning hypocrisy, and I think that's what drives you know people crazy uh, because they they just want one set of guidance from people and not have their officials kind of flip flopping all the time. Uh, here's a telephone number if you ever want to give a call during the Buzz Adams Morning Show. Toll free number is eight four four three zero five six two one zero. That's eight four four three zero five six two ten. For our local audience. Uh, here's a little pro tip for you. You could call the KLAQ request line. It would go to the same number <laughs> if that makes it easier to call. You know, I get that question a lot. What's that? They'll call and be like, is this the number to call into the show? And I'm like, yes, it is. You're talking to me right because now. Because they've, they've called the... And the, they're like, well, you guys said a different number, uh, and I just dialed the 880 number. Well, the re- we came up with our own toll-free number when we started simulcasting in other cities. But here in the 9 o'clock hour, I can let you know, if you just dial the request line, it's going to go yeah, to the same, same line. Yeah. Joanna Barba has entertainment news, Hollywood chit-chat for us. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning. What's happening? Warner Brothers continues to readjust their release schedules as more and more movies get delayed because of the coronavirus. Christopher Nolan's Tenet got bumped back slightly to July 31st from the original date of July 17th. Wonder Woman 1984 was moved from August 14th to October 2nd, and The Matrix 4 was pushed back a full year. Originally planned for May 21st, 2021, the movie will now premiere on April 1st, 2022. Meanwhile, Cinemark, the third largest movie theater chain in the U.S., is looking to have all of its more than 500 cinemas reopened by July 17th. The company announced on Wednesday a phased reopening plan starting June 19th in Texas. The rest of its locations will open between July 3rd and July 17th in advance of Disney's Mulan. To fill the weeks prior to Hollywood releases new films, Cinemark plans on showing classic titles at discounted prices. Films like Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Goonies will be shown for $5 for adults and $3 for children. Kristen Stewart will play Diana Spencer, better known as Lady Diana, Princess of Wales, in an upcoming drama. Yeah, I don't see it. Hmm. You don't see it? No. Listen, Princess Di was a beautiful woman, but she she had a pretty prominent schnoz. Like, she had a pretty big nose. Mm-hmm. And Kristen Stewart has little tiny she little a, button nose. She had a good what? sense of smell, for sure. Well, you don't know. They could fix that with I guess. You know, makeup and stuff. 
the prosthetics. Per- <laughs> the period of peace called Spencer will have Stuart playing Princess Diana over a crucial Christmas holiday during which she plotted her divorce from Prince Charles and began charting a life away from the British royal family. Pablo Lorraine. Sign me up. I'm in for that. I mean, <laughs> even if I don't agree with the casting, uh-huh. I've been watching The Crown, so <laughs> <laughs> in such a, an enwrapped state, it, it's just like, bring it on. Pablo Lorraine, who directed Natalie Portman's Oscar-nominated Kennedy biopic Jackie, will direct Spencer. Production on the project starts in early 2021. Royal family experts tell media outlets that the news of an American star taking on the portrayal of a British icon has garnered mixed reactions. Uh, You know what? Screw them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They play our Batman. They play our Superman. And they're going to get upset that we're playing their Lady Di. Are you equating our Superman to their kings and queens? (laughs) I think our Batman's a bigger deal. Batman's like our... Uh, yeah. He's our president. I, 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 you're right. It's a false equivalency because Batman and Superman are a bigger deal. Uh. Them. <laughs> and When's the, last the queen ever saved Gotham? <laughs> well, Lorraine... Who was the last American to play James Bond? Can anybody remind me who the last American to play James Bond was? None. That's exactly there right. There hasn't been one? Mm-mm. Never. Well, then. Technically not true. <laughs> George Lazenby, maybe? No, he was Australian. Oh, okay. <laughs> Believe it or not, Woody Allen, in a spoof of Casino the James Bond movies called Casino Royale, yeah. played James Bond's nephew, who was also James Bond. Interesting. Hmm. Also, in the early days of television, there was a like a play, like a you know Ford Theater Playhouse or something. You know, some old-timey show where they adapted <laughs> the James Bond stories and he was played by an American actor. But in the main canon of James Bond, no. They, mm-hmm. Can you imagine if they cast an American to play James Bond? Oh, there'd be riots. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. I'm team Kristen now. (laughs) (laughs) Now you are invested. Finally, Wayne Brady is opening up about a time when he feared for his daughter's safety due to the color of her skin. In a recent interview with Access Hollywood, during which Brady spoke about how the killing of George Floyd has forced many parents to have tough conversations with their children, the actor discussed a past incident that occurred a few few years ago when his daughter couldn't get into his Malibu home. They're saying, yeah, I do have the audio. They're saying it's notable because you would think, okay, well, Wayne Brady like never gets hassled by the cops. He's he's white America's favorite black dude, right? Yeah. I don't know. You ever see him on Chappelle's show? He's got a dark side. (laughs) That's a good skit. Wayne Brady's gonna have to choke. Is Wayne Brady gonna have to choke a bitch? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think there are all kinds of ways that people who are are African American. Um, have to deal with the reality mm-hmm. that, that, like, of course you can't relate to it. You've never felt like that. Like, no. the alarm's going off and you're worried that they're going to draw weapons on you while you're trying to tell them you're the homeowner? Yeah. Instead I of the burglar just, or instead of the intruder that you're worried about? Yeah. I, I get that, you know, the term, like, white privilege is, is just insulting to some people, but... Like, white privilege is a thing that you don't have to do something. And you don't have to know it exists. You don't have to know it exists to exist. And what I use as an example is when I, when I was a, you know, a teenager or a young adult, if I were walking with a group of friends, we never had a police car roll up and ask us what we were doing and where we were going. 
uh, if there's a group of African-American kids the same age doing the exact same thing, maybe they had that experience. Mm -hmm. The thing is, there could be all kinds of racial bias that, of course, I wouldn't know it exists. You know why? Because it doesn't get applied to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. For the update. Good job, Joanna. Thanks. Let's take a break. We're going to come back and... uh, Can you do me a favor real quick? Yeah. Can you see if Steve is on? Hey, Steve. Buzz. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Brandon. Now, but Brandon's not on now. Yes, I'm right here. Oh, I did it. All right. I'm in the studio. Nico's in the studio. Joanna's in the producer studio. Steve's at his home. Brandon's from his home. Oh, nice. Yeah, amazing. All right, we'll come back and talk sports. This is pretty cool. How many layers could we put in? Like, could we have 10 people on from different houses? Let's try it. A hundred? How far could this go? Let's see. Call Lisa on the hotline. (laughs) I was going to say, you need more than than four friends, Buzz. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Boy, there's so much stuff to talk about. The Supreme Court just came down with the ruling on on DACA DACA. for the DACA kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a pretty against Trump. I mean, it, well, yeah, it's it, they they ruled against the Trump administration in trying to rescind DACA. Trump Trump has got to be pissed off. It's like, why did I name all these guys to the Supreme Court if they won't do what I want to do? Well, from the thing over the weekend, it sounded like Gorsuch didn't didn't vote the way Trump would have wanted him to, but Kavanaugh did. Right? How did Kavanaugh vote on this one about DACA? Um, he was in the minority, so he voted, you know, against DACA. He was for getting rid of it. So he was lined up with what? Yes, Trump he, it was a five-four decision. Trump and, has got to be thinking: Did I not make this clear with Gorsuch? Yeah, well, <laughs> You're supposed to do what I tell you to do. Gorsuch and um, and Kavanaugh are on the minority side. The only person that went with the Democrats was the Chief Justice, Chief Robert, Chief Roberts. Oh, so Gorsuch also. Was, was in the minority, minority. on this one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so DACA is the thing that says if you were brought here as a child and illegally into the country or undocumented, your parents were undocumented uh, under certain circumstances, uh, you're going to have DACA protection, which doesn't mean you you're doesn't given mean legal. It doesn't mean citizenship, but it means we're not going to come after you. And it allows people to work legally in the United States. And when Obama did it, I mean, it was an issue because he kind of circumvented the legislative process mm-hmm. and did it by a presidential proclamation. So, I mean, it was, it was controversial that he did it, but I agreed with it, you know, especially if somebody was brought here when they were a month old and they didn't even know they were illegal until they were 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. What kind of monster would want to go after somebody like that and send them back to a country that they're not even from? And it's not even like there's millions of people in this program. It's it's capped at six hundred thousand right now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you know small in comparison to the probably amount of people that are illegal. So I I realized that that the way Obama did it was just like presidential proclamation, and but I totally agree with the outcome of it. And so the court has come back and said basically what? That you can't take away these protections from these these DACA recipients who have been granted it previously. Now, does it say that they can keep on giving DACA protection or? Yes. Okay. But that the Trump administration was wrong and to rescind the order because they did it arbitrarily. 
how arbitrarily? I think his main thing was keep Mexicans out of the country. I mean, <laughs> it didn't seem arbitrary. It seemed that he knew exactly what he was freaking doing, right? Well, apparently there's something called the Administrative Procedure Act, which means you have to do things in a certain oh, order. Oh, wait a minute. You mean the current administration doesn't follow the procedure that has been laid down through years of precedent? Wow. Yep. you got to be kidding me. Well, it took the You're Supreme saying Court that about the Trump that. administration does things outside the norm. Yeah. Okay. Well, Steve Kaplowitz joins us from our... Oh, it's not sister anymore, is it? Cousin station? <laughs> we quit saying sister station. I what? forgot the terminology. What? KROD is our... Nephew? Ne- no. Steve, what is it again? You know, you're a, you're, you're a disaster. You're I a was disaster. gone a week, all right? I was out of town for a week. I, I just don't remember. Partner! Our partner you station. <laughs> you couldn't remember... You know, well, because partner? they had been our sister station for like a hundred years before that. <laughs> you know what's amazing to me? Kevin, our boss, said it once. Sounds that's like all woman, I needed to hear it. Sounds like one woman. time, and I got it. Well, that's, you can't you, remember because anything. that's your that's your radio station. It's not my radio station. <laughs> no, boy. The point is, it's is my that sister I called station. It sister, it, it, we've called Kayla Q our sister station as long as I've been around. But as soon as I heard partner, I said, "Yeah, that's fine. We'll switch it to partner." It seems you, anti. It's, it the whole thing seems anti woman to me. If I'm being honest. <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> our you know partner isn't station. It interesting though. Isn't it interesting that? We called Kayla Q our sister station and never just said it's our big brother. Mm-hmm. You know, we never went. We never, we never went with the brother. It was always sister stations. And Wait, what, why do you is? automatically do you categorize the brother as the uh, or the sister as the subordinate? Like, why would you say because we're bigger, stronger, think, cooler? Why do you think? Have why a penis? It was always <laughs> why, there. You go. Why do you think it was never brothers? Why do you think it was always sister stations and not brothers? Stations? I don't know. I didn't. That's just always what it was called. Our sister station. Yeah, why, why are boats true. given female names? I, I don't know. I didn't put that much thought into it. And then all of a sudden it was now like, it's partner. It was not only they're not this anymore. Don't dare call them sister station. Like it's some kind of. Yeah. Derogatory thing. Yeah. Like it's a derogatory thing. It's just what they always called them. I'm sorry. I forgot. I was on vacation. Oh, by the way, Brendan's not here no more. Why? Because we've had an issue. Aha! There it is. All right, Cappy, what do you want to talk about in sports? Baseball. I, I, we, we thought it was back, and now it's not. What's the guy's name? Rob Manfred? That's the commissioner, yes. Okay, commissioner's Rob Manfred, and he had said, oh, it's 100% on. And then he came back this week and said, no. Well, it's not 100%. And then, is it 100% off in his mind? No, he just said he didn't feel good about getting a deal done after he was 100% sure. Then the players ripped him on social media. He goes to Phoenix, negotiates with the head of the players' union. Yesterday, word leaks that there's a deal that's uh, about to happen for 60 games. The players say no deal, nothing's happened yet. And as of last night, the story is owners thought there was a deal with 60 games. Players want more, no deal, at least as of right now. Well, why would the players want more games? 
because they get more money. It's prorated salary. Uh, okay. So let's say you're making $10 million a year, right? And you're, um, and the owners say, we're going to give you full prorated salary for 60 games, which would probably turn out to be like, I don't know, $3.8 million of your $10 million, uh, in salary. Well, you want 70 games, so that's closer to $4.3 million, so you're making more money because the more games you play, the more prorated money you'll get off of your regular salary. So owners uh, wanted 60. Players want close Closer to 75 or 80, so hopefully they can meet somewhere in the middle. Figure when this gets done, if it does, it'll be somewhere between 65 and 70 games. Now, does this just apply to Major League Baseball or also the AAA and AA? Major League Baseball. Okay. There is no minor league. Minor league players do not have a players association like the uh, like Major League Baseball does. So what are the chances we'll see Chihuahuas play? Well, I didn't realize Nico's hosting the Buzz Adams Morning Show. These I days. interrupt this people is really too good. much. I found out. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that the story? Because he's he's actually holding a really good conversation. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah. "Wow, I, when did Nico become Buzz? That's really cool. I like that." He got a frog in his throat. Some guy on the chat earlier accused me of butting in too much on my own show. <laughs> How do you do that? What? How do you? I don't know. The host. You tell and you me. Butt in too much I don't on know. your show. Well. <laughs> I've been hosting mine for years, and I, it's I just, just take you the talking lead. for the most part, right? That's usually how the show goes. I That's correct. That. I would hate to do that, but um, yeah. So what? It, it, like, just minor league baseball. Nobody's even talking about anything about bringing them back or having no. Uh, yeah, so they're done for the year. For sure, I don't right? think they're done. So here's the deal: I don't think they're done for the year because. When, if you bring back Major League Baseball, you have to have double or triple A players ready just in case of injuries or maybe a couple of players get sick. You need to have a backup plan. So it's not like these guys can just be sitting home waiting for the call. The question is going to be, how will they do it? Will they keep them closer to the Major League ballpark? Will they keep them in their spring training complex? Will they find a way to maybe put some in AAA cities? Okay, but they we won't don't have them, know yet. They won't have them flying around from city to city doing a regular schedule or even a, a shortened schedule. I would think. be shocked if that is the case. Shocked. Okay. I don't expect that. Don't expect it, no. You think Colin Kaepernick will ever play or ever suit up for an NFL game? I've asked you this question before through the years. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you that now. Uh, percentage of of uh, confidence that Colin Kaepernick will suit up for an NFL team someday. A month a month ago, I would have said zero percent, uh-huh. zero. There was no chance, none. Now I'll give it fifty fifty. Wow, I I still think it could be. Yeah, I I do. I still think it could be blackballed, and and this uh, and and the posturing by uh, Goodell saying that somebody should sign him is just to 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 make him look good. There's a lot of there's a lot of noise being made. Like, well, we were wrong, and definitely somebody should consider signing Colin Kaepernick, and we encourage that. Mm -hmm. Is he being sincere, or is this just PR cover? I guess we'll find out if he has tryouts with teams and and gets offered contracts. I mean, if that happens, then we know he was being sincere. If nobody tries him out and nobody offers him a contract and he's still unemployed come September, we know it was all a bunch of BS. And that would mean that Goodell went to all the owners and said, hey, listen, I'm going to say this stuff on TV, but we know the real deal. We're still blackballing this guy. Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly right. 
Uh, one NFL coach has said that he would be open to tryouts anyway, and this is uh, Anthony Lynn, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers coach, has said that he would be open to a Kaepernick tryout. I don't know if Kaepernick wants to be a fourth stringer. Mm-hmm. You know, He's not going to be a fourth stringer. Do you know who the third stringer is for the Chargers right now behind uh, Terod Taylor and I, rookie Justin Herbert? Uh, somebody like Colt McCoy or something probably. Now, how about this one? A guy I've never heard of, and I mean this, I've never heard of him. His name is Easton Stick. <laughs> You've never heard of Easton Stick? No, I've never heard of Easton Stick. He played at North Dakota State and was a fifth-round draft pick of the Chargers last year. So, so you're uh, I mean, assuming Colin Kaepernick is better than Easton Stick? I'm assuming Colin Kaepernick is better than Terod Taylor. I mean, and that's oh. their starting quarterback. So that's, you know, the point is, is that uh, it's it's ridiculous when you start to look at some of these teams in depth charts and realize who actually has jobs right now mm-hmm. while Kaepernick can't even get a tryout. It's yeah. it's nuts. But they're not going to fire any first string quarterback right now just to give him a, a spot. He's got to probably no. wait until well, somebody gets injured at least. The Chargers drafted Justin Herbert to be their quarterback, all right? He is their quarterback. There's no doubt about it. Terod Taylor last year uh, did very little, and, and he got hurt, if I'm not mistaken. So last year he played eight games. He was backing up. Actually, he was backing up Phillip Rivers with the Chargers, and he completed four out of six passes. And right now he's the projected starting quarterback on the depth chart. If you ask me, I would rather have uh, Colin Kaepernick than Terod Taylor. I'm going to drop a real truth bomb, I feel like, on you here. The, the, if, if there has been collusion that, hey, nobody's going to sign Kaepernick because it's going to be bad for our image, which we, at this point, I mean, that's pretty much proven, right? That that's what's going on. That's what, yes. that's what uh, Goodell was apologizing for. Uh, mm-hmm. We were wrong. It's not Goodell that was the main force behind this. It wasn't any owner of any team. The one guy who was responsible for this is the guy in the White House, because that's what they were afraid of, is that he would rip them apart and tell his followers, don't watch football, boycott the NFL. So if there's anybody responsible for Colin Kaepernick being blackballed from the league, if we agree that that's what's going on, it's this guy. That's from yesterday. That's the president of the United States talking about... Does he feel like Colin Kaepernick should get a second chance in the NFL? Wait a minute. He brought up the kneeling, but didn't, then didn't address it. Mm. Didn't sound sincere. Um, yeah, and you could save your argument that Colin Kaepernick te- technically, he made the decision to leave the 49ers. I'm talking about the whole thing where nobody would touch him. Nobody would give him a tryout. That comes from higher than Goodell, and it comes from higher than any of the owners in the league. It comes from them being afraid that the guy in the White House is going to turn his fans on him. You sound like a conspiracy theorist. Uh, Guaranteed. Steve, do I sound like a conspiracy theorist to you? Yes. (laughs) Did you know that they're putting chemicals in the water (laughs) to make the friggin' frogs gay? (laughs) Now I sound Uh. like a conspiracy theorist. Oh my God! All right, uh, listen. I, I I do think I do think um, if I had to, if I was a betting man on Colin Kaepernick right now, this moment, does he have a job in 2020? I would say um, he will be offered a job 
whether he takes it, that's up to him. There because, will be some again, team that will say this will be such this will reflect so good on us. We're going right. to offer him the job. Well, and, oh, and, and not a starting, and not a starting job. I, I was going to bet against you just because I'm so bored that I'm willing to gamble on anything. But <laughs> I agree. I agree with you. Hey, did you talk at all about the Duke's Mayo Bowl? No. The Duke's Mayo Bowl? Mayo, like mayonnaise. There is now a bowl game, a college football bowl game. Wait a minute. you got to hang on to it. i got a break. You can tell us about it when we come back, but you can't hear, but Joanna's been hollering at me for like 10 minutes. Oh, okay, go ahead. Nine minutes. Nine minutes over! <laughs> right, Joanna? That's been you for nine minutes, hasn't yeah. it? All right, uh, we'll come back and find out about the Duke Mayo Bowl. Is this really worth the build-up, Steve? Is this going to be good? It sounds delicious. I thought he was saying... That, I, have you ever had Duke's mayonnaise? I thought you were talking about the school... At first, I thought you were talking about Duke Keith, and I was like, what? Did Duke leave a bowl of mayonnaise in the break room? <laughs> then no. I thought you were talking about Duke <laughs> University. Break! And now you're telling me there's a Duke's mayonnaise? There's a Duke's mayonnaise, and they're sponsoring a bowl game. Nice. Charlotte, North Carolina. All right. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. All right, I'm going to say this at the outset of this segment, and I'm going to say it because it's the only way I can communicate it to Steve. Steve, I want you to take this very seriously, okay? I'm listening. Joanna has made it abundantly clear to me that we have limited time here. We have only 10 minutes that we can spend talking. Do you under do you understand and agree to those conditions? You remember that? I was told four to five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I already told Steve. Oh, you didn't think she was talking to him. Right. but Also, remember that thing you told me earlier? Don't say it. Exactly. Four minutes. Oh, no. See, now you've just ruined it. I'm not going to tell you any any sensitive information again. You've tried to weaponize it against me. Four minutes. Steve, tell me about the Duke's Mustard Bowl. Or it's whatever. the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Okay. <laughs> so Duke's Mayonnaise is based in South Carolina. It's the third largest mayo brand behind Hellman's uh, uh, and Kraft. Miracle Whip. In the... Nope. That's not mayonnaise. Hellman's is number one. Kraft is number two. Three is Dukes. Never heard of Dukes. Neither have I. <laughs> and Dukes is now the new title sponsor of the Charlotte, North Carolina Bowl game, which was formerly known as the Belk Bowl. So the Belk Bowl is now the Dukes Mayo Bowl, and it matches the ACC against the SEC or the Big Ten. Do you know what a Belks is? I do know what Belks yeah, is. It's yes, a, it's do you, a, do you know? No, it's I have no idea. It's a furniture store. Uh, not a furniture store. It's like a... Marshalls or something? It's kind of like a Marshalls. Kind of like a Coles. Similar. It's very yeah, similar that, to a Coles. What, that's a good way to do it. I'm not, saying what, I'm not sure what sounds better, uh, Belks or Mayo Bowl. Here's the thing. This lets you know how meaningless these games are because they can't even attract a national sponsor. Like these, they're, The market for college bowl games is so oversaturated and the national level of interest especially since they started doing uh, an actual playoff with college teams is so diminished mm-hmm. they can't even find a Nash a, a sponsor that has their product in all the different places like they're going with local a few years ago Oscar Leeser was the was the sponsor of the national broadcast of the Sun Bowl so it was the Oscar Leeser Hyundai of El Paso Sun Bowl hmm. no it wasn't you're completely wrong. What on that. was it? It was the Hyundai. It was the Hyundai Sun Bowl. 
It was just a Hyundai Sun Bowl. Now, Oscar sponsored the parade last year, and it was the Oscar Leaser Hyundai of El Paso uh, thanks, Sun Bowl Thanksgiving Parade, but it was never the Oscar Leaser Sun Bowl. It was always the Hyundai Sun Bowl. Oscar put the deal together. Oscar got it done, but Oscar did not put his name on the Sun Bowl game. Okay. It doesn't diminish my point that a lot of these bowls have such low interest outside of their immediate area that they only get a local sponsor. And as evidence, I'll give you the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. That actually sounds awesome. Do you know what the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl is? Do they do they sell lawnmowers? No, they don't sell anything. They pay a lot of money to get their name attached to the game. Oh, okay. It, it used to be the St. Pete Bowl in Tampa. Uh, let me find a couple others just to give you an idea. While you look for that, how do you like this idea? Okay. The winner of the Duke's Mayo Bowl and the winner of the Idaho Potato Bowl should advance to the Grandma's Potato Salad Bowl. Yes! <laughs> Has this all been a setup for a punchline? Amazing! There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of jokes. A lot of jokes on Twitter right now. Um, some say that instead of a belt gift card, every player should now get a free cholesterol check for the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Others are saying that every member of the losing team in this game should be given a spoon and have to eat a bowl of mayo, which would be the punishment. <laughs> End it. <laughs> All right. End it on that high note. It was great. Yeah. Do what now? End it on a good joke. Yeah. From Steve. That was a great joke. Oh, end it on a high note. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow.